Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Who did? Who cares? She's... It's like Trump said, uh, you know, we, we care about the people we love inside, and, and that's why we have these. And, and a physical barrier is a, is a part of a multifaceted solution, and I wrote about this in the, in the Wall Street Journal today. Um, it's, 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 it's about 234 miles of physical barriers. That's what the plan calls for. It's about 75 extra immigration judges on the border to, you know, to enhance the capacity of, of enrolling people here. It's about 750 more Border Patrol agents. It's more detention beds that we can house all the families that are coming across. Remember, the reason this is a crisis, too, is because there's far more families actually coming across, far more women and children than we ever had before. That's why it's a humanitarian crisis. That's why President Obama himself, standing in front of the White House, had once said it is a humanitarian crisis on the border. And we are talking about technology. We're talking about more technology to, uh, to detect uh, drugs coming into ports of entry. This isn't some medieval solution. Um, it, it is an actual, realistic, reasonable solution. It's multifaceted in nature. And the funny part is it's actually what Democrats often talk about on the House floor. They're saying, no, it's not just physical barriers. It's all these other things. We should have a mix. And I say, don't you realize that's actually our plan? Like, what are you arguing against? Don't argue against an idea that doesn't exist. It's like the sheriff said. Originally, there was talk about a grand 2,000-mile border wall. That doesn't work. It doesn't work in a lot of places in Texas. Okay, we have multifaceted solutions. That's what this is about. It's right for their championship meeting, and here's what he said. So I had a choice. Do we have no food for you? Because we have a shutdown. Or do we give you some little quick salads? That the first lady will make along with, along with the second lady, they'll make some salads. And I said, you guys aren't into salads. Or do I go out, Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott, do I go out and send out for about 1,000 hamburgers, Big Macs? So we actually... That's appalling. Uh, it seems to me like the president will not be happy until there is not one single female Republican voter in the country. It's incredibly sexist. It also, I mean, I don't know why I'm stuck on this, but Ivanka is not the second lady. She is actually, I don't think she deserves this position, she's actually a senior advisor to the president. So the idea that he would demean her specifically in that way, he shouldn't talk about the first lady that way. We, we aren't all here to make salads for men. It's, it's yeah. disgusting. I mean, I'm presuming he was talking about Karen Pence when he said second lady. Oh, I God, don't I'm sorry. But, no, I, but she I'm shouldn't presuming, be doing it either. But, but, but I mean, I mean, I mean uh, Scott, look. That's crazy. This is one of those things where... Sometimes what people say when they're being funny is exposes exactly who they are and what they think. Not that there was any question, but, but this is pretty clear. Uh, I, I certainly didn't take his comments to be sexist. I think that um, if somebody took them that way, you know, that's, that's so fine. Then Mike, probably Mike they want to take everything that salads. Donald Trump says as being Scott, <laughs> as can being I just evil. ask you, how in the world uh, do you not perceive that as sexist? To take the assumption that his wife's going to go make salads for the bunch of football players? What is she, I, like the cook? Well, I didn't. I didn't hear it that She's way. I eat read. salad almost every night for dinner. I mean, I, <laughs> we make a lot of salads oh, in the Jennings on, household, and does I make some. Wife, and my you wife expect your wife some. to make I mean, them all for you? I mean, I, maybe she does. No, Fine. I make some, I mean, and she makes some. Okay, but that's not what he said. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take it that way. If somebody took it that way, that that's fine. I, I didn't. It didn't strike me that way. I think he was trying to make a joke about feeding hamburgers to football players. I think you, you might be overreading this one. 
Uh, I'm not overreading it. He made a joke that was sexist about women. I guess what I guess maybe what we're disagreeing with is whether it's funny, and whether humor is is something that's serious. <laughs> I think Scott's I, disagreeing that it's uh, sexist, I, which he's entitled to his opinion. It's not going to be a popular one. No, but. I didn't. It didn't. It didn't strike. It didn't strike me that way. And and I'm not. I, <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you all are taking it that way. But it's fine. Wow. Okay. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah, no, I, I have to say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open about when I have an opinion on things. I, I feel pretty strongly it's a sexist thing to say. All right, thank you both. Mm. And next, Mitt Romney condemning his Republican colleague Steve King for embracing white supremacists. I think and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 18th of January, year of our Lord, 2019, and we got a lot of stupid today. A lot of stupid. A little intro there was Trump bitch slapping AOC, Crenshaw, doesn't sound xenophobic about the border. And CNN making a molehill out of a joke because guess what, folks? We start the show with more faux outrage. The two most read stories on WAPO the other day. Trump has turned White House into a White Castle. President Trump's extravagant $3,000, 300 sandwich celebration. Yeah, they... With the shutdown, he decided to do fast food. As you can see at the end of this little montage, uh, the players really didn't care. But the media did. David Burge, a decadent, lavish hamburger extravaganza not seen since Marie Antoinette or the fall of Rome under Emperor Hambugala. The number two story above includes the pruder-like analysis from Philip Bump on it. He typoed hamburger to hamburger, and that was a whole nother strain on this stupidity of TDS that makes him look more immature than Trump. Philip Bump. It was far fewer than 1,000 hamburgers. It took a lot of work to do this, and this is what they did. Calorie count on everything he served. An entire diagram of what was there, Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, Domino's Pizza, where it was. A complete PowerPoint slide on it. I'm not making that up. There's a fucking diagram on the WAPO to try to say it wasn't that great. John Keegan, hamburger fact check by P. Bump analysis, President Trump's extravagant 3,300 sandwich celebration at Clemson University, even worse. Bump fact-checked when Trump said the burgers were piled up high. A mile high. Well, it really wasn't that high. Here is literally a bump check. Trump says they thought they bought 1,000 burgers for Clemson. It was piled up a mile high. Fact-check. At two inches eat, 1,000 burgers would not reach one mile high. Had Trump instead invested his entire net worth, $3.1 billion per Forbes last year, on a $5 sandwiches, each two inches high, a stack of hamburgers nearly 20 miles high. They fact-checked a figure of speech. But there's no medium bias here. None. Caleb High. Caleb Howe, excuse me. Washington Post Burger Fact Check Department had the backboards and calculators out late, or blackboards and calculators out late into the night for America. Since the pivot to the video didn't work out, they might as well try this, he says. Big Mac statistics die in the darkness, because what else could the Washington Post report be doing with this time? Reporter, excuse me. 
I wish Washington Post editors had assigned Philip Bump to analyze the impact and import of passing an open data and evidence-based policymaking law instead of covering how much Trump's hamburgers cost. Lizzie O'Lear, extremely jealous of Philip Bump, got paid to do this. But it wasn't just WAPO. NBC News, President Trump's welcomed the NCAA National Championship Clemson Tiger football team to the White House with a shutdown smorgasbord of fast food offerings he called Great American Food, including piles of pizza and fries and more. In the article, great being with the National Championship Clemson Tigers last night at the White House. Because of shutdown, I served them massive amount of fast food. I paid, over, I, I paid for it, over a thousand hamburgers, etc. Within an hour, it was all gone. Great guys of big eaters. Hunter Walker. I should note that at one point tonight, President Trump said he bought 300 hamburgers. Later it came, he bought 1,000. Benjamin Parker. When lying in second nature last night, the president said there were more than 300 hamburgers. Now it's over 1,000. Confethe translator. 300 hamburgers equals 1,000 hamburgers. Bill Press, he bought 300 hamburgers, not 1,000. Daniel Dale, Trump to media yesterday, we have 300 hamburgers. I got 1,000. I served them a massive amount, never change. Another journal. Hunter Walker, here's a video shot of President Trump showing off his 300 hamburgers. Wow, classy move by Trump. He's paying for a meal for college athletes, and he chooses cheap, unhealthy fast food. Zoom in on the pick, and you'll see the great variety awaiting the players. It's clear they ordered fast food because no real restaurant would take Trump's order. Clifton Hamilton. Cold fucking burgers, cold fucking fries. I like fast food on occasion, but this is just gross. Organizing is on expensive-ass silverware. It makes it worse, not better. Cheap bastard. Then a whole article in WAPO, everything touches, everything Trump touches dies. So such for pageantry in the noble halls of the White House, now full of smells of fast food, Adderall, and treason. I bet they feel special. They got lousy fast food, and all they have to do is give Mango Mussolini street cred and a lame photo op. I mean, just petty, childish shit. They photoshopped it. And made fun of it because he served him fast food. One of our last articles on this podcast today is how you're only supposed to have a half a burger a week. Because you're killing the planet because of cows. But I watched a special last night that shows maybe it's not the cows. We'll talk later on that. David Roberts, U.S. fast food emerges out of the vast network of animal suffering and ecology destruction and in turn has produced an epidemic of ill health at large swaths of the country. It is the cheapest and sometimes only option thanks to skein of implicit and explicit subsidies backed by a ubiquitous, relentless corporate advertising. Yet somehow this unholy stew of capitalist exploitation and corporate welfare has taken on a vaguely populist air. Already, I guarantee there are people responding the first week calling them a tedious scold. Yes, in many places fast food is the cheapest option, so many poor and working class people depend on it. Yes, it tastes good because it's literally designed in fucking laboratories to simulate our taste center. So yeah, lots of ordinary people eat it and like it. But 
It is super weird to then extend fast food some sort of populist credibility as though to criticize it is to criticize the people who eat it. It seems to me that exactly what fucking McDonald's wants is what Chevrolet and Walmart want. They all want a protective sheen, a virtue, patriotism, populism, down-home community derived from the people who use their products. But that's just advertising. These are giant multinational corporations. Their primary objective is to deliver quarterly returns to shareholders. The lobby and bribe politicians to regulate i can't read no more that's a real person a blue check democratic activist dressed as a journalist demeaning fast food demeaning trump and you know why they do that because they hate normal people they hate that kind of food they're a bunch of vegan foo-fooing looking off their nose at everybody else people like page in oregon Like all liberals, they're better than you. You eat at Burger King, you're a piece of shit. You eat at McDonald's, oh, what a fucking loser. I went and got a gluten-free, tasteless-free piece of shit for fucking a local cafe that locally fucking um, acquires all their food and they made it with migrant workers. Then I paid twice the amount because I'm better than you. Ken Gardner, Trump's going to win re-election, isn't he? Really, you can always count on scolds on the far left condemning anything and everything that gives human beings genuine enjoyment. These scolds are literally the modern-day Puritans. They dream about people being forced to eat bugs and forego cars, AC, etc. The same people traumatized by Justice Kavanaugh drinking beer in college are clutching their pearls because college football players are eating fast food. When did liberals get so weird? Another one. Guy who has massive orgasm over Gillette ad. Oh, we're going to cover that in our tweets. Has a problem with fast food. This is a person who generally hopes people in the future will be impoverished so they'll consume fewer natural resources. And it's true. Sir, I'm sorry, but if you want an additional dipping sauce, you got to pay for it. Could you move up to the next window, please? As a joke. Chris Saliza, Donald Trump's epic fast food picture is perfectly Trumpian. Then he goes on to dog it. It got put out. It's huge. It brings back 2016. Anderson Cooper quotes of he likes fast food. He's a piece of shit. And then the worst part of this, Burger King, who got free advertising, decided to join Dick's Sporting Goods and all these other liberal um, virtue singling, we want you to like us fucking organizations who totally forget that liberals don't eat at Burger King. They go get that vegan fucking um, mushroom burger made from local mushrooms harvested by transvestite migrants. They don't eat at Burger King. So they decide to make fun of it. Due to large order place yesterday, we're all out of hamburgers just serving hamburgers today. I tweeted him, go fuck yourself and join yourself with Dick's Sporting Goods. People that forget that 50% of the country that voted for Trump actually buy your products. And now they don't. I'm going to punish everybody that gets involved in this. It's not because I'm a Trump supporter. It's because they're a bunch of fucking hypocrites. And they're stupid as fuck. Your business plan is to insult the people that actually buy your product. Smart business plan, baby. That P&L is going to light up like a goddamn tote board during the muscular dystrophy telethon. Ed, what do we got? Zero burgers sold because we insulted the very people that buy our burgers.
from Jezebel. This dude really served Clemson boxed up fast food on a bunch of fancy trays. Dead spinded articles on it, just disparaging it. ESPN, racism on a bun. ESPN says president served it up at Clemson football chance with a charge of racism Wednesday. First take talk program unofficially launched his third season of Trump derangement system. All three members of the leftist heavy program took photo pot shots, excuse me, at Trump after he fed fast food. First take has been battering Trump. See here, here, and here, and here, and we've already covered it. Molly Quarum, the facilitator of First Take, alleged it's racist to serve fast food to mostly African-American football. I don't know. I guess I took it very differently when I saw him giving the football players predominantly black sport and fast food. My thought went a very different place. That unsaid place was widely acknowledged to mean racism on the president's behalf. Quarum's charge of racism drew strong rebuke from author and radio host Clay Travis on his outkick the coverage blog. Today on ESPN First Take, the host of the show, Molly Quirm, decided to drop the woke of wokest takes about the Clemson football team visit. The reason why Donald Trump bought thousands of dollars of fast food was racism. Really? The R-bomb safely dropped. Quirm quickly shifted to a tweet by Reggie Bush, who said, Just when you think you've seen it all, Clemson football, you guys deserve better. You are world champs, and this is the honor you receive from our national leader. That is a slap in the face after so many love on so many levels, just a huge slap in the face after that kind of performance. Shake my head. Stephen A. Max Kellerman also added new entries to the substantial body of TDS. Smith said the fast food dinner was classless. What I'm saying to you is that at the end of the day, these are elite athletes from national champions that performed an absolutely shocking and stellar performance. And this is how you greet them. It's disgraceful. It was classless. It was wrong. Kellerman was more concerned about the government shutdown and Russian collusion. This is just a distraction. Sports Illustrated referred to it as Burgergate. But these are the same people that have signed a petition with 85,000 people to ensure that the uh, people that whoever's performing at the halftime show. Take a knee for Kaepernick. Yeah, you need to take a knee. <sighs> These fucking people. You're so petty. But it doesn't end there. Lara, Lena Narrowmore. This morning, Fox and Friends did cover Giuliani. Didn't did not cover Giuliani's. I never said there was no collusion between campaign interview. But they did hand out Chick Fil A to the audience and host a sing-along of God Bless a, a USA. God, guns, and Chick-fil-A. Fox and Friends hosts are literally throwing out Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Because you're a loser if you eat at Chick-fil-A. Because remember, they're God. They believe in God and shit. What the fuck's wrong with you? We got that, too. We got that today. We're, we're, you're a piece of shit if you teach at a school and your last name's Pence. And all they happen to be Christian. But you could throw motherfuckers off the roof of your Islam. That's fine, man. We're good with that shit. Because we need you to vote for us. Comfortably smug sums it up. If Obama had done this, reporters would be tweeting how it was ingenious maneuver to deal with the shutdown and sharing their favorite fast food orders. And he's fucking spot on. Spot on. If Obama did this, it would be, oh, he knows the people. He's in touch with what these kids want. Look at those kids. Look at him. 
They are so proud to have a president that served them chicken nuggets. That would be the read. Sure, they could have done better. But here's the reality. He could have fucking catered Ruth Chris up on that bitch and those motherfuckers would say, oh my God, cows are killing the planet. There would be an angle. Because they're petty, petty, small people. This show... If I had a soundbite, petty, petty, you're all so petty. I mean, it's like a bunch of kids. There are so many examples this week of just petty, little, democratic operatives that call themselves journalists. Just being childish. Here's actually Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, who said he enjoyed it. TMZ covered it. Nobody else did. Hey, Trevor, how was the food inside? It was awesome. We had McDonald's and everything. It was good. What was it? Here. Oh, dear. 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 Trevor, how many more times are you coming here? Perfect. Awesome. Hopefully a few more. Right here, Trevor. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for turning up here, man. Thank you. Is the president giving you any advice? Go Tigers! I have to go Tigers! Nice have fun! What'd you guys eat? Petty. Then this in, nobody carried it, except for the New York Post. Abortion leading cause of death in 2018, 41 million killed. On December 31st, 2018, there has been 41.9 million abortions performed in the course of the year. World world meters revealed, by contrast, 8.2 million people died from cancer in 2018, 5 million from smoking, and 1.7 million died of HIV AIDS. Word Oh, Worldometers, I can't say it right. That's the third different version of what it's called. Voted one of the best free reference websites by the, Uni- the American Liberal Association, or Library Association. God, I cannot read today. Keeps a running tally through the year of major world statistics, including population, births, deaths, automobiles produced, books published, and CO2 emissions. It also records the total number of abortions in the world. Globally, just under a quarter, 23%. Of all babies were fucking killed. But NBC reported this. Alabama woman is first known trans person killed this year in the U.S. Dana Martin looks more of a dude than I do. 31-year-old black transgender was found dead. We don't know how, but we're going to say she was beaten by some fucking Trump voters. We pretty much imply in there that it's, it's... Oh, how did she die? It was probably transphobia. Then you got this from uh, MRC. 
Just in time for March for Life with more facts, millennials less pro-abortion. According to a recent study by Students for Life for America, millennials are more open to change their minds on abortion than given the facts about the atrocious medical procedure. The 2019 study found that about 7 of 10 millennials support limits on abortion, and that only 7% share the position of the Democrats on the issue, which has killed them until they're fucking toddlers. That's why the media is desperate to distract from or under-report the fetal chop shop business. Today, our last thing we'll cover, March for Life, which will happen today, MSNBC and CNN will not be there. The Christian Post reported that Students for Life revealed poll results on Monday about demonstrated that demonstrated that most of the pro-abortion perspective among millennials is basically largely on ignorance. Although a 2018 Vox poll showed that 67% of millennials favor legal abortion, that's the, that's the national average. The pro-life group gave evidence that when educated about the realities of abortion, opposition to the 1973 Supreme Court decision legalizing abortion rises sharply. Uh, they say 20s and 30s recorded that 40% supported the 1973 court decision, 12 completely opposed, and the remaining 48% were neutral. However, after being informed that Roe allowed for abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, opposition to Roe jumped to 51%, and support fell to 35 Wow. The report also found that when millennials were told that abortion was marketed synonymously with contraception or the fact that a mother could kill her child if it wasn't desired sex, opposition rose to 54%. Huh. Then they said uh, qualified health centers, abortion giants, Planned Parenthood, only 7% support the Democrat position that abortion should be allowed without any exception and funded by tax dollars, and that 56% oppose selling chemical abortion drugs online. There's hope! To the border! Suspected drug smuggler got stuck on top of the fucking wall. Yeah. Looked like a Jeep Cherokee. Then there was a previously deported illegal immigrant accused of sexually assaulting child. Jose Manuel Tascaro Hernandez, 31, who resided in Conroe, was charged with aggravated sexual assault of a child, according to media advisory released by the Montgomery County. Kid was 11 years old. He'd been deported twice. Another one, MS-13 associate, pays gang $100 to have sex with a trafficked 14-year-old girl on Monday at alleged MS-13. MS-13 associate, a Montgomery County Circuit Court for reportedly reportedly paying to have sex with a 14-year-old girl and then blackmailing the teen with compromising video he took of her while he was banging her. Another new migrant caravan organizer arrested in Honduras on rape charges. But remember, these are just peace-loving people. If you don't want them to come in here and sex traffic kids. You're a fucking xenophobe. Then this liberal group went out in the Arizona de- desert, found 127 skeletons, say they're all migrants. The media ran with that shit. But last time I ca- caught, bleach bones really don't tell you they're Mexican. Secondly, how do you know there are migrants? There's a lot of gang violence on the border, folks. That could be Mexican cartels walking across the border, executing people, and leaving their bodies to rot. 
but you know facts get in the way then this story came out because all this comes from local news who still fucking re- they do their jobs for fuck's sake here's a guy who was teaching other illegals how to commit fraud he'd been doing it for a long time and there's probably about two million of them out there doing the same goddamn thing building their cat case against a buffalo deli owner they say he illegally purchased food stamps and used them to supply his store tonight he's locked up on two million dollars bail here's seven eyewitness news reporter justin moore you happy now for mr shami all of you guys america Strong words from the wife of this Lovejoy Corner Deli owner as she left his court arraignment today with their daughter throwing up the bird to cameras. This defendant is accused of flagrantly abusing the public trust. A grand jury indicted 37-year-old Ahmed Al-Shami for food stamp fraud. Investigators say he would exchange money with individuals to use their EBT cards, then go to big box retailers to purchase items for his store. Transactions totaling almost $4,000. We're selling Pepsi for 99 cents a two liter. You can't buy Pepsi for 99 cents for a two liter if you're an independent store owner. You have to charge more. Buffalo Council member Richard Fontana lives near the deli. He says a lot of illegal activity has been going on at the store, and it has been a major problem for the Lovejoy community. He was essentially the worst store owner I've seen in my 20 years in City Hall. The grand jury also indicted Al-Shami on burglary. Police say he went inside a vacant house and stole kitchen cabinets, hot water tank, and a baseboard heating unit. Taking those to his store for either resale or reuse. Al-Shami pled not guilty. Bell has been set at $2 million for the 37-year-old store owner. Since he's not a U.S. citizen, Al-Shami also facing the possibility of being deported if he's found guilty. Every dollar that is uh, stolen is a dollar that could otherwise be used to do public good. In Erie County, Justin Moore, 7 Eyewitness News. And then we go to California. California governor wants to tax drinking water. Gavin Newsom has proposed a statewide water tax that re- re- would create safe and affordable drinking water fund that would enable the State Water Resource Control Board to assist communities, particularly disadvantaged communities, in paying for the short-term and long-term cost of obtaining access to safe and affordable drinking water. This isn't the first time a tax on water has proposed a similar measure, which would have imposed $11.46 per year tax on California residents, was sought by Brown. Now, I'm all for safe water, but that's some pandering bullshit. That's some flint, oh, look at us, we really care crap. Then we have California teachers. I was going to play a soundbite of them beating the shit out of a car. But they're on strike, which leaves about 600,000 kids with nobody. And scabs are getting harassed. So, yeah. Good job, California. Then we got Tlaib. I put this up front because I don't want to get lost and fire for effect. She's now pictured hugging fucking Farrakhan. Yeah. So was... Maxine Waters, she hugged them too, this week. And there's 200 people that have actually requested an impeachment. 200,000, excuse me, people requesting impeachment of their representative. That's a fucking lot of people. 
We'll see where that goes. Media's not touching it. Then my buddy Todd out in Oregon, if he still listens to the podcast, me and him talked about this via email the other day. This is getting ugly. This is the next thing. It's going to come national. You just wait. Oregon Bill would cap magazines to five rounds. That's not that crazy because we've heard that before, but this is crazy. Ration ammo to 20 rounds a month. Legislation submitted in Democrat-controlled Oregon legislator would fundamentally change the state's firearm law, recasting them as the most restrictive in the country. Rob Wagner has submitted SB 501 for upcoming session. Wagner's bill would require licensing for gun owners prior to purchase, outlaw a firearm magazine capable of holding more than five rounds, and limit individuals to ammunition sales to no more than twenty dollars every th- or twenty rounds every thirty days. Beside, beside its restrictions on ammunition and requirements for licensing, SB 501 would also mandate the background checks be delayed for 14 days so the state police can research would-be buyers, find gun owners who failed to report lost or stolen firearms, and require guns to be locked up when not in use. There would be no grandfathering of magazines affected by the ban. Oregonians need to show up at Capitol Hill and express their concern over the personal safety and the harm caused by this kind of legislation, Representative Bill Kaiser, a Republican, said. This would not grandfather shit. Then Virginia, Democratic governor's anti-gun package is straight-up confiscation. The plan to ban the sale and possession of certain kinds of firearms proposed by Virginia Governor Ralph Nordham, could affect millions of gun owners. The National Shooting Sports Foundation, which represents gun manufacturers and dealers, said the vague description of the legislation released by Nordham on June, January 4th would apply to most firearms currently on sale in the Commonwealth. The legislation proposal being discussed will put most firearms beyond the reach of law-abiding Virginians who choose the firearms choice to protect themselves, hunt, and practice target shooting. That could potentially impact the availability of tens of millions of firearms. While short on details, his announcement said part of the proposed gun control package would ban the sale, purchase, possession, and transport of undefined assault firearms, including any firearm that is equipped with a magazine that holds more than 10 rounds of ammunition. Since the vast majority of semi-automatic handguns and rifles in the state are sold, it would affect everything. Steve Kukowski, who lives there, the only defining characteristic they've released thus far is a firearm equipped with a magazine that holds 10 or more rounds. That's nearly every semi-automatic handgun and rifle sold in the state. The vast majority comes standard with magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. The governor's office refused to return any calls that I made or answer my questions on the proposed ban so there's no more details on what the actual legislation will look like or how Democrats would enforce such a law. The legislation matches the governor's announcement, which is a guarantee given how vague and poorly written the announcement is. The proposal will be by far the most radical gun ban in the country. More to follow on these. But when you read stories like this, Think Progress editor Zach Ford had an issue with Chicago woman who killed an alleged would-be mugger. Conservatives are thrilled a woman with a concealed carry permit shot and killed a 19-year-old would-be mugger. That's not how justice works. The penalty for theft is not death, nor do we want it to be. What he left out of the treat was the alleged mugger was armed. 
25-year-old Chicago woman with concealed carry license shot and killed a man who attempted to rob her. Police said the armed 19-year-old man approached a young woman at a bus stop in Chicago Fernwood neighborhood Tuesday morning. Surveillance video captured across the street from the bus stop shows a struggle between the two before the gunman pulls out her own firearm and shoots the man in the neck. Dana Loesch. The hazard of targeting them pulling your illegally possessed gun, a woman as just she waits alone for the bus, is that you may get shot. Stop shaming women who defend themselves. She's right. Twitter suspended Lars Larson because he went after a Oregon mayor candidate who decided to go crazy on the cops. Inamarone, Inamarone, I don't know how to say her name, tweeted a recount of the story saying the headline kind of says it all, doesn't it? We know the police kill. question is whether we will ever stop funding this deadly paramilitary force and start funding things that actually keep the people of Portland safe. question in this article is, what about Antifa? Larson responded, gee, Sarah, for PDX. You think the cops make PDX dangerous? Read the story and you find the dead man was one Paranoid schizophrenic. Two, invaded a stranger's home. Three, fought with an officer. Four, pulled a knife. What's your millennial snowflake solution to that situation with cops? He was suspended for saying snowflake. Mm-hmm. Inarun reported the first tweet saying, Whenever the account retweets me, it brings commentators to my sphere or hurl insults and innuendos my direction. I reported three other accounts resulting from the retweet that day that Twitter and men's greed were abusive or harmful. Then she said right-wing Twitter is a platform predicated on inaccuracy, misleading, and hate-filled speech right up to the highest level of the government, Twitter-in-chief. So, once again, Twitter shows you can do whatever you want of your liberal. Right now, articles came out. Ocasio was trained by Twitter to teach other congressmen how to use their account. Ted Lieu thanked her. That's how we found out. Then the story leaked. Republicans are not getting any Twitter help on how to improve their accounts. Once again, I just call people on lies and research stories, but Twitter is just a joke nowadays. Had another soundbite, not going to play it. After decades of liberal jihad on white male toxicity, young victims like this have no recourse. The schools don't help them. These kids, excuse me, the hands of the police are tied and the lives of these kids are indeed a living hell. By the way, both were black kids beating up one white kid in a bathroom. What would happen if the opposite happened? It would be front page news. Thanks to all the conservatives who love America, the Saudi Arabia monument is gone. Bernie Sanders introduced $15 minimum wage that would go in effect incrementally until 2024. Anybody who's for this, you have no idea how business works. You want to see the economy go to deep shit? That's when it goes to deep shit. There'll be so much unemployment you won't know what to say because people are going to get rid of people. There's no choice. If I have eight eight-hour workers, I now have four. That's how I make the store solvent. Then there was the State of the Union crap. We start on the State of the Union crap. We will end on the junket crap, which was late to the show. Caitlin Collins calls herself a journalist. She's on CNN. We know the difference. 
Oh, wow. Nancy Pelosi has asked Trump to remove the State of the Union address per Fox. Sadly, given the security concerns, and unless government reopens this week, I suggest we work together to determine another suitable date after government is reopened. Nancy Pelosi, today I wrote to real Donald Trump recommending that we delay the State of the Union until after government reopens. As the Secret Service, the lead federal agency for State of the Union security, faces it 26 days without funding. Pelosi spoke and made a big deal out of it. The media went all sorts of, oh, that's a power move by Nancy Pelosi. At the end of this show, we'll see Trump did a counter move, but that's not a power move. That is childishness, they say. So as we go to a music break, we're going to play a 2013 shutdown right after the State of the Union. This is all for all those liberals out there who believe the media is just reporting the facts. Just the facts. To see that, same as it ever was, 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 and the days go by, let the water blow me down. Sorry, I went to the talking heads. Uh, Nothing changes. Nothing changes. On the back side, you will hear Chuck Toddy, giddy Democrats are now calling themselves liberals, because he's a liberal, urging a senator for impeachment and Harazu making an ass out of herself. That's how we'll start our fire for effect. Enjoy. The president's big chance to lay out a second term agenda. The speech was ambitious and aggressive on the economy. Dramatic and emotional on the need to end gun violence. ABC's John Carl was in the chamber last night. Fellow Americans. It was 52 minutes into the speech before the president first mentioned guns. Victims of gun violence stood up in the gallery as the president made his most forceful and emotional argument yet for Congress to at least allow a vote on new gun control measures. The president acknowledged Republicans could end up shutting down the government if he doesn't yield on spending cuts, but he warned against it. The president, though, was pessimistic when it comes to the idea of whether there's going to be a government shutdown. He acknowledged that House Republicans may have the votes to do that. quiet that 
you could hear a tear the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed in this home that is me the dead are rolling over mr chairman i i welcome the arrival of the immigration lindsey graham of 2013 the other lindsey graham we shall see as you yourself have acknowledged since you became a legal adult have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No. Not long ago, Republicans loved calling Democrats liberal. They didn't mean it as a compliment. And for a while it was effective. Today, Democrats are embracing the label. Among Democrats, is the term liberal no longer a dirty word? Boy, will that have some impact on 2020. 2018 was the first time a majority of Democrats, 51% of them, called themselves liberal. And it's not just Democrats, by the way, who are more comfortable calling themselves liberal. The public overall is more comfortable calling themselves liberal. In 1992, 17% of Americans said they were liberal. In 2018, the number is now 26%, a nine-point increase. And in the same period of time, the percentage of folks calling themselves conservative remained mostly flat among the electorate as a whole. Now, this shift in language we use is actually mirroring the shifting attitudes in our politics. Consider issues that used to be criticized as, quote, too liberal in the mid-90s. Only 25% of Americans were in favor of marijuana legalization. And only 27% believed gay marriage should be recognized. 2018, those numbers, 66 and 67% respectively. Here's further evidence the electorate has shifted leftward. In 1992, 41 percent of Americans believed their taxes were about right or too low. 
Believe it or not, in 2018, a majority of Americans, 51%, said the same thing. None of this is to say the United States is now some bastion of liberalism. More people overall still consider themselves moderate and conservative. But as the Democratic Party moves even more leftward in the age of Trump, pay attention to how 2020 Democrats handle issues the liberal base of the party is pushing for, like Medicare for All or abolishing and replacing ICE. Senator, on the campaign trail in 2016, you spent the last two months regularly questioning the president, uh, at that time, candidate Donald Trump's um, ties to Vladimir Putin, complimentary ways he talked about things. So you have, you have those questions that you had as a candidate. Now you have this story in the New York Times that as the FBI uh, worried that the president acted on Comey at the behest of the Russian government. Um, what does that tell you where things are now? Does that mean that Democrats should be looking at actually beginning impeachment proceedings? Or is this something you think let the Mueller probe go first? How much more yeah, do you need to know? So right out of the gate, you know, Twitter is so fucking weird. Weird things trend and people make a big deal out of it. And there was a UCLA gymnast that literally got a 10 on a floor thing. Um, floor routine. What I don't fucking know, gymnast. I was reading my phone. Sorry. <laughs> had a text. Um so being that AOC has been trained by Twitter to politicize fucking everything, this UCLA performance alone is reason enough to make public colleges tuition free. Jim Hansen and the moments ruined by bonehead politician. It's true. It, what the fuck? Everything's not politics, liberals. Why can't we just enjoy certain things that you don't just skeet all over with your fucking agenda and religion of progressivism? New York Times reveals FBI retaliated against Trump for Comey firing. The actual article by Greg Jarrett is so fucking damning, it's unbelievable. Because this happened, they started, without any reason or recourse, another investigation that found nothing, by the way. Because he fired Comey. Then Bruce Orr did a testimony reveals top DOJ officials knew about the Steele document in 2016, knew it was fake, but still put it forward. Yet he'd been interviewed by Byron York and saying that, oh, no, we didn't know, and he lied, basically. Thomas M. Fountain. The walls are starting to close in for those involved. This, their protest and claims of innocence do not stand up to good old common sense. Look at the facts. Please keep on with your reporting because nobody's reporting it. Remember, it's Abu Ghraib. When it's good for Democrats, it's above the fold for as long as they can possibly just juice out as much negativity towards Republicans as they can, and they put it on the front page. When it's a story like this, it's a one-dayer, it's buried, and it never gets touched again. But the FBI, there's an article from the Federalist 35 fucking times they broke protocol. Protect Hillary and to go after Trump. And I once again say, not a Trumper, but we're two fucking years down the road. They have the square root of dick to prove he did anything wrong. They're going after his business dealings, which has nothing to do with the original investigation. They're playing it off because Whitewater. Well, I got that, but that didn't get him impeached. You guys protected him. 
and they didn't put him up for impeachment because of his illegal dealings in Whitewater. They put him up for impeachment because he fucking lied, and he did. When you're arguing the word it, you're a liar. But, hmm, the view? Oh, don't tell him that shit. These bitches are crazy. The missing link for me is how do you go from hearing people on TV saying, oh, we've known he's been an agent the whole time, to literally the FBI then launching an investigation into a sitting president, uh, looking into whether or not he's an agent for the Russians? How much evidence do you need for that? And then where does Mueller fit into all of this? Well, this is, again, this is the FBI director, the acting FBI director at the time, Andrew McCabe. Uh, and I, I think what it shows, and we've seen through some of the text messages of some of the others involved in this decision, including right. Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, th- these were people that deeply detested Donald Trump. And now they're running the FBI, and they're able to open this counterintelligence investigation. And they, you know, they believe that they had solid reason. The president Didn't was acting in a way. Skeptical then of well, I, this? I, I, I think that there, I think there are reasons to be skeptical. Of this, and, and but I think the biggest one is what happened afterwards. And there is no indication that Robert Mueller picked up any of this. And here's a very important point: we, we are now just, I believe, weeks away from getting a final report from Robert Mueller. And there is so much anticipation, so much speculation about what he is going to show. He has been looking into, you know, this whole range of issues. And I am led to believe by people who have interacted with the special counsel um, that we should be prepared for him to release a report that is anticlimactic. Mm. That on the, you know, he's already, look, he's already done a lot. He's already gotten more than 30 indictments. Mm. The president's inner circle, his campaign chairman, uh, convicted, uh, his national security advisor, uh, indicted, his personal lawyer. Uh, You know, so much has already been there. But on the central question of did Donald Trump or anybody in his campaign coordinate or collude with the Russians in their effort to meddle in the 2016 campaign. We have seen zero evidence of that. What and about Manafort? No, well, well we, we, look, Manafort has, has been indicted because of his, mm-hmm. uh, his personal corruption, what he has done. And we know there was this revelation that he gave polling yeah, data. Right. But there's no indication that Manafort either knew of or helped the Russians in their efforts to uh, hack into the DNC emails, John Podesta's emails, or that that massive uh, internet campaign to undermine pu- basically the public discourse in this country. But just to be clear, you're saying there's no indication, but Mueller has kept this investigation he very has. close to the vest. So there may be no indication right now, but we, we don't really know because he's been so very good at that. But um, to, to, to keep the conversation moving. Then we got some immigration stuff I got to get up front. Here's a Texas mayor saying border security works. And then CNN just basically lying over and over and over. We're here in Los Indios, Tejas. That's a small town just right near a border crossing, um, not far from McAllen, where Donald Trump was on Thursday. Uh, We came to check out, this is the first time we've seen a section of the wall in a rural area. The rest out west of here, we didn't find any protections at all. We met the mayor of Los Indios, a former Border Patrol agent, and he said that a lot of people have misconceptions about the wall. From his perspective, the wall is great because his town is over there, and the border crossers used to come through his neighbor's backyards and all that. Now they can't get to him. Now they go around, he says the common misconception is the wall is useless because they go around. 
Well, actually, if you look out that way, the wall runs all the way to the border crossing, and going around would be would be no solution to anything. It's unfortunate that this thing has become as political, and there's and both sides are dug in. It's been taken out of the context of what this barrier really is, and it's just another tool for border patrol to effectively do border security down here in these areas. That's really all it is. Here's a gap in the wall that's being fixed. Uh, I, apparently they're going to put a gate in it for the locals to use. But it goes six more miles out that way. And that point the, is a trap for illegals and smugglers and so forth, according to Cavazos. They have to come up. They all get channeled up that way. Then they try and cut there. Well, the Border Patrol is pretty good at intercepting people. They've got, uh, they've got uh, balloons up in the sky. They've got infrared. They've got all this stuff. So that gives them one point to watch. Um, there's some rather silly commentary to the effect that, well, you can cut a hole in the wall. Well, even if you had a really good saw, you'd probably spend 45 minutes cutting a hole in the wall. And it just doesn't make much sense compared to going somewhere where there's no wall. When you go there, though, you're going to find that the Border Patrol could well be waiting for you. Does it help? Is it effective? Does it keep communities safe? Does it, do folks feel safe in their homes, in their yards, their children? All those things have to be factored in. And if the answer is yes, you know, then it does do its job. You, you, support, you support Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer saying the president isn't going to get a single dollar for any new wall. You that's support that. Saying. And you think that's they, they, a reasonable that's, negotiating That's not what they're position. saying. That's not what they're saying. The, the, listen, they are host, saying. Hostage taking. I know that Speaker Pelosi had said uh, she didn't want to give even more than one dollar to the border wall. In a situation in which you would accept even a dollar of wall funding for this president in order to reopen the government. A dollar? It will never pass the Senate. Not today, not next week, not next year. If you want to open the government, you must abandon the wall. We're not doing a wall. Does anybody have any doubt that we're not doing a wall? So that's it. Are you worried about backlash? Are you worried about backlash? No, it has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with the wall is an immorality between countries. It's an old way of thinking. Some of them are feeling some heat back home and do want to do some sort of compromise. And yesterday I was hearing from the White House that this week there's a talk about bringing a bunch of rank-and-file House Democrats who are more moderate or from Republican-leaning districts to the White House to see if they will sort of do some sort of compromise with him. But again, I don't know why they would trust him because he keeps changing Listen, his mind. Yeah. If Demo- keeps- I, I hear you, Rachel. I mean, you're so right. And I think the point that you are making, or the next point, is that if Democrats can't seize on this waffling, shame on them, John. I mean, I think that in public, everybody sees that the president has been all over the map, yeah. literally with this wall. If Democrats can't say, as, as Rachel and David are saying, of, okay, Folks, we're going to own the, the end to this. Here's our solution. Here's what we're going to do. Then shame on them. This is their moment. And look, the thing is, he's flip-flopped on everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, declaring a state of emergency. The problem is, if Democrats get brought into the White House, as Rachel just described, to try to negotiate with Donald Trump, why do they think they will have a better, more solid, stable deal than what Lindsey Graham was able to negotiate? Yeah. President's going to flip. President's going to flop. It's not. He's not a steady negotiator. It's almost like he's not good at the art of the deal. He- they can't let that story go. It's impossible. 
If it was true facts that I was talking about, you know, what goes on while we record this, I've been on a phone for two hours, so I actually had to go back and listen to where I was, because I, yeah, I keep getting phone calls. All right, let's, uh, let's go on the Women's March. That shit's coming up, and it's very interesting what's been happening. Cameron Gray while her MF or comma is worthy of scorn and shows how vile she is, don't forget that Rashid Tlaib supports the destruction of Israel, advocates for BDS, and proudly stands with Linda Saussauer, who's nothing more than a big motherfucker, you to Jews in America. Important article by Tiana the First: why the one-state solution is racist. Congratulations, America. You have managed to bring Palestinian Islamic extremists in the U.S. Congress. Finally, you're going to see what we've been dealing with for 70 years now, or that she wants to wipe Israel off the map. The Women's March, the main event in Washington, D.C., was relocated to the shutdown. It'll be the 19th, which is tomorrow at 11 a.m. Now, the amazing thing is, a lot of big groups are still hosting it. There's a lot of that. We talked about the California, Chicago, nobody's showing up. L, what's the turnout expected? There's not telling how many people will march again this year. Last fall's Blue Way, which has an unprecedented number of women, 35 elected congregants, might revigorate the marchers. Women's wave is coming, blah, blah, blah. They go, oh, yikes, tell me more. And they just kind of tub- cover the tablet, but they gloss it over like it's not important. But Angela Davis... Women's March honoree and champion of terror, prisons, and tyranny. She's going to be speaking. Major liberal groups are walking away after the magazine. Uh, it may be the biggest silent protest and normally noisy leftist stage in decades. Talia Goldschiff, the Brooklyn photographer who organized a petition calling for the resignation of march leaders, flagged the max exodus. The march current partner list is missing many of the group's high-profile partners from 2017. AFL-CIO, SEIU, the nation's largest healthcare union, Amnesty International, NAACP, the Nation Council of Jewish Women, NARAL, Emily's List, Glad, the Human Rights Campaign, the Southern Poverty Law Center has walked away. That is huge. Huge. National Resource Defense Council, Greenpeace, Oxfam, Moms Demand Action for Guns, and the Center for American Progress have all walked away, as has Deborah Messing and Alyssa Milano. Who hasn't? Let's see. Oh, the Democratic National Committee? The DNC stands in solidarity with all fighting for women's rights and holding the Trump administration and Republican lawmakers across the country accountable. Women are the front lines of fighting back against this administration and the core of the Democratic Party. But, despite that, the list of organizations with officials or representatives support the event include the ACLU is still going to go. That says a lot about the ACLU, doesn't it? Anti-Semitism, fuck, that doesn't matter. American Federation of Labor, Congress of Industrial Organization, or AFL-CIO, National Organization for Women, Planned Parenthood, the Sierra Club, and the Young Women's Christian Association will still be there. They'll still be there. So we're going to play two sound bites on this. The first one is... Um, McCain, the second is Hostin, 
because it branched off into 42% of America's you know, racist. Who gives a fuck if these people are anti-Semitic? That was our answer. And then we'll go into some media coverage on it, because you can goddamn guarantee and why I'm covering it, CNN and MSNBC, oh, they're going to be there. They don't give a fuck if they talk bad about some dirty Jews. He's known for being anti-Semitic, for uh, being homophobic, but you do attend his events and you posted, I believe, a, a photo together calling him the GOAT, which means the greatest of all time. And you are running an organization that says it fights bigotry. Do you understand why your association with him is quite problematic. Why call him the greatest of all time? I didn't call him the greatest of all time because of his rhetoric. I called him the greatest of all time because of what he's done in black communities. And I think that, you know, well, I think I, let that, me just interject really quickly. I would never be comfortable supporting someone who called, I'm not anti-Semite and I'm, I'm anti-termite. It's the wicked Jews, the false Jews that are promoting lesbianism, homosexuality. I actually spoke with the journalist from Tablet Magazine who released an investigation report on your organization. And in part, they allege that there is a lot of anti-Semitism surrounding this march. Specifically, the report alleged that you, Tamika, and co-founder Carmen Perez asserted that, quote, Jewish people had a history of exploiting black people and were proven to be leaders of the American slave trade. Now, a lot of people, by a lot of people, I include me in this, think that you're using your organization as anti-Semitism masked in activism and that you're using identity politics to shield yourself from critiques. You're talking about all women being invited to that march. I'm pro-life. We were not invited. We were, we were not allowed at that march right there. I'm a conservative woman. I also represent, if you're talking about women, you should be talking about all women, including Jewish women as well, and conservative women. Well, These remarks are, I mean, it goes on death to Israel over yeah, and over so again. We did not make those we remarks. Did not make you can't but you're associating me. with a man and who so does I, what publicly. I will, what I will say to you is that I don't agree with many of Minister Farrakhan's statements. That's Specifically a, that's, about Jewish people. As I said, I don't agree with many of Minister Farrakhan's statements. You uh, condemn really, them? I don't agree with these statements. At the end of the day... You won't condemn the, it. No, no, no. To be very clear, it's not my language. It's not the way that I speak. It is not how I... But Republicans now, with this, I think, could make such a significant statement by forcing him to resign. But will Republicans now step up to the plate with Donald Trump? Because he has been using, I think, the border wall as sort of this dog whistle for racism. The government is still shut down, and I think it's all about, let's not let all these brown people in, right? Unless they're working for farmers, unless they're working in agriculture. So now will the Republican Party step up to him and say, we don't want but this funny, anymore? But there's 42% of this country that support mm -hmm. the wall. Are they all racist? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm asking you that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there are a lot of people is, that is, believe in I don't security. Know. Is Donald Trump racist? Duh. But I'm, not, I'm not referring. I mean, I don't know. Is he? I'm just saying, I'm just saying if you're, if you're going to paint a broad stroke about a wall and that being racist, then I, I, I just, don't know. But there are but a lot is, of people that support the wall being is, built. Is Donald Trump so, once again, we'll have another segment in this show where we'll show what CNN takes out of it. In this is the fact that the women's marches are fucking anti-Semite, racist, Islamic, fucking extremist organization. But no, Brian Seltzer took the 42% of America's racist comments and said the view would need way more than an hour to finish this conversation. 
McCain, Megan, or sometimes we only need one segment on your subject on our on a subject to expose real anti-Semitism when your network spent an entire year on a documentary on the subject and never touched it. And the documentary was Women Who March the Movement. They never covered it. Tablet did. CNN didn't. We played stuff on here where CNN has actually glossed over the tablet article like, oh, but they're still great. They're they're for the women. So then we go into one of the people that will be attending, Omar. This is a conjointed thing. There's two parts to this. CNN lets it slide that she hates Israel. A PBS interview in here, they're letting it slide. Oh, you know, it wasn't meant that way. And then the second part is somehow she started with fucking Chris Evans, who said, hey, Smithers, remember when you said this? You know how you can make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. What do they have on you? I can tell you this is shameful 180 is born of fear or thirst. Either way, we'll always remember you as a nothing more than a remora. That and Omar's statement that he is compromised is a whisper campaign joined by the media that Lindsey Graham is gay. I guess that's okay if you have an R behind your name, and that's who they're talking about. And oh, by the way, I didn't call them dirty Jews either, but that's pretty much how CNN does it. So listen to this shit, and then we'll break it down. Can I just move on to something that's generally rite of passage for politicians in the United States, and that is to sort of profess sort of fealty or at least pay homage to APAC, the, uh, the pro-Israel uh, uh, PAC that is very, very prominent. Um, should Jewish Americans be worried about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib because of the BDS movement, because of one of the tweets that you made a long time ago, you know, you're part of a new wave of Democrats, not afraid to be critical of the government of Israel. And during the 2012 military offensive in Gaza, you tweeted, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. How do you put that into context now? And what do you say to American Jews? So I remember when, when that was happening, um, watching TV and really feeling as if um, no other life was being impacted in, in this war. Uh, and that really, unfor- those unfortunate words were the only words I could think about um, expressing at that moment. And what is really important to me is that people recognize that there is a difference between criticizing a military action um, by a government that, that has exercised um, really oppressive uh, policies and being um, offensive or, or attacky to uh, particular people of, of faith. Um, I say the same things, if not um, worse, uh, when it comes to the um, Saudi government. I've called for uh, boycotts of Hajj um, and, and boycott to, to Saudi Arabia because to me it is important when you see oppression uh, taking place, when you see regressiveness happening, when you see um, our values being, being attacked um, as, as humans, you must stand up. And it doesn't matter, um, you know, who 
the inhabitants of of that particular region might be. Um, what matters is who is leading it, uh, and we must address uh, the kind of leadership that leads to uh, a more unjust uh, world. If if we are to actually express our values of of peace and justice in the world, based on what I believe uh, to be visible to me, and I'm pretty sure uh, there are lots of Americans who who agree on this. I do want to ask you also about your comments on Israel. To remind people what you tweeted about Israel in 2012 during the offensive in Gaza, you wrote, "Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel." You've commented a lot since then, trying to explain what you meant by that. And I wonder just what your message is this morning, as the first on our Game Changers series, um, to uh, Jewish Americans who find that deeply offensive. Oh, uh, that's a really a regrettable way of, of expressing that. Um, I, I don't know um, how my comments would be offensive to, to Jewish Americans. My comments uh, precisely are addressing uh, what was happening uh, during the, the Gaza War. Um, and I am clearly speaking about the way that the Israeli uh, regime um, was uh, conducting itself uh, in, in that war. Before you go, we saw Steve King um, reprimanded by everyone except for one member of, of the House. So you voted to reprimand him as well this week for his racist remarks. Um, and you called it an overwhelmingly and bold message. There was one member of Congress, your fellow Democrat, Representative Bobby Rush, who voted against that because he said, look, this doesn't go far enough. This is not a censure. We need to say more on these racist remarks. He said it was not worth the paper it was written on. I wonder, Congresswoman, what do you think? Do you think that Representative Steve King should be censured? Yes. Uh, I think it's really important in a moment, uh, in a time in, in our nation's history where uh, racism um, and, and bigotry is rampant, uh, that we take a bold stance. Um, I am one that is for um, restoration and, and one that believes in um, restorative measures. Uh, and I hope uh, now that, we, that that wasn't followed through with, uh, that this serves as an opportunity for um, the, the message about the, the kind of inclusive societies we could all mm -hmm. live in. Well, positive one. We need to ask you about this. You tweeted, we're going to put this up on the screen, regarding uh, Republican Congressman Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, I believe we, ha we have this tweet, uh, saying they got him, he is compromised, uh, and there it is. I wonder if you'd explain what, what you were talking about there. This, is, this has sparked a fair amount of criticism, uh, not just from Republicans. Can you explain that comment? So over the last three years, um, we have seen many times where uh, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham has told us how dangerous this president could be if we were, he was given the opportunity to be in the White House. And all of a sudden, he's made um, not only a, a 180 turnaround, but a 360 turnaround. And so I am pretty sure uh, that there is something happening um, with him, whether it is, um, uh, you know, uh, something that has to do with his uh, funding when it comes to running for, for office, whether it has uh, something to do with the polling that they might um uh, half in, in his district, or whether it, it has to do with 
um, some sort of uh, leadership within uh, the Senate. He is somehow uh, compromised to no longer stand up for the truth uh, and, and to, to make sure that he is uh, fighting um, to, to protect the oath that he took. Uh, in serving the American people, but, but that, that's quite a charge to make. You say you're pretty sure, based on based on what evidence, what what facts? That, that's a remarkable uh, comment to make about a sitting U.S. senator. The 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 the, ev the evidence really is um, present to us. Uh, it's being presented to us in the way that he's behaving. But that's not evidence. That that's your opinion. But now, as a sitting member of Congress, you would have tweeted. They got him on this a again, just based on what evidence, Congresswoman. My my tweet was just uh, uh, an opinion based on what I believe uh, to be visible to me, and I'm pretty sure uh, there are uh, lots of Americans who who agree on this. I do want to ask you also. Peter Dow, alert! The right is spreading a false claim that. Eon, Minnesota, accused Lindsey Graham of being compromised because of sexual orientation. She did not say that. She said it may be due to his financial ties. Anyone pushing this fabrication is engaged in a smear against Republic Representative Omar, S.E. Cup. This is ignorant, homophobic, and unacceptable. Eon, Minnesota, Democrats, this is becoming a very bad look. Here is a specific implication in calling Graham compromise. Why not merely unprincipled, craven, hypocritical, or flip-flopper? That mean, the, the, the meaning there is not subtle, and it needs to stop it's pretty evident that this is a whisper campaign says he's compromised wink wink doesn't provide any evidence and allows the whispers of graham's supposed homosexuality fill in the gaps her reply yes because the right thinks being homosexual is compromising a lot of news for them being lgbtq isn't so blah 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 they got him he's compromised but she doesn't say what she means by that she tries to say that he's flip-flopped, but she still uses the word compromise, which is meaning he's gay and they know it. Her tweet that the media doesn't care about, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel, Gaza, Palestine, Israel, hashtags. So what did CNN outline? First Somali elected to Congress. How important it is she wears a hijab on the floor. Yes, now is Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. She has just, I should note this morning, been appointed to the Foreign Affairs Committee. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Poppy, for having me. I remember interviewing you a few years ago when you were a local representative in my home state of Minnesota and thinking, is she going to go to Congress one day? And you did. Let's talk about what you came in. You came in during a shutdown. You're dealing with the shutdown. Uh, you guys came in, freshmen especially, to change things. Are you frustrated at all with Democratic leadership at this point, not willing to give any money for a border wall? Would you, like your fellow freshman Democrat, Katie Hill, like to see some money toward a barrier to get an agreement and get the government back up and running? Uh, absolutely not. Um, I uh, believe this is a manufactured uh, uh, crisis, uh, and the president yet again is throwing a temper tantrum. Um, uh, in for his quest to get uh, a racist xenophobic wall. Um, I believe that the uh, federal workers and the American people uh, expect us to fund the government and make sure that uh, government is operating and, and is open. Um, and then they expect us to come back 
to uh, the, the drawing board and have a conversation about what it looks like for us to uh, protect the health and well-being of, of Americans. That conversation about uh, immigration reform and, and having our immigration system be, be more humane, um, thinking about what border security and border protection should look like, those are conversations that we should have, um, and they are not conversations we are ready to have right now while the government is shut down and we have over 800,000 um, federal employees not getting a paycheck. I, I would just note a point of fact here before we move on that, that indeed we did see a record number of families illegally crossing the border in, in December up 240 percent year over year. As you call it a manufactured crisis, some people will point to that number, although the overall numbers, as you point out, often are down. Well, I mean, right now, right now what we are about to see is, uh, you know, over 30 million um, American families who rely on uh, food stamps um, face serious food insecurity. We are about to see our federal courts shut down because they will not have adequate funding. We are about to see our federal law enforcement agencies uh, not have uh, an, an opportunity to operate because of, of the shutdown. We've already seen what's happening at our airports with TSA um, and air control traffic. Uh, we, we, there's no funding for um, Coast Guard uh, members, and yeah. we know that even the, the President's uh, Secret Service isn't able to uh, collect a paycheck, and they're all working without a paycheck. So this manufactured crisis is going to lead to a real crisis if this, this President uh, and Mitch McConnell over in the Senate don't make a, a, an urgent decision to work with right. us, reopen the government, and come back um, a week or so and start the dialogue about what it looks like for us uh, to deal with the humanitarian crisis that's happening at our border. Con Congresswoman, one change you bring is your background, your faith. Congress voted down what had been an existing ban on wearing headscarves as you are now on the floor so that both you and fellow Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib could do so, could serve on the floor. I just wonder uh, what message do you believe that sends to, to fellow Muslims in America, particularly at a time uh, w when there are concerns about growing hostility uh, among some Americans to, to, to members of the faith? Well, thank you for mentioning that. My sister uh, Rashida doesn't actually wear the hijab. Um, uh, I'm the only one who, who wears a hijab. And it's really important to remember that within our Constitution, there's not supposed to be a religious test constituted. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I am excited for the opportunity to come walk into a body that recognizes that um, and uh, was willing to, to vote to make sure that I am able to wear my hijab as I serve the people of Minnesota. Yeah. This sends uh, a message about the uh, strength of our Constitution. It sends a message about the religious liberties we get to enjoy in this country, and it sends a message about the, the kind of inclusive societies we can all mm -hmm. live in. Well, positive one. Now, once again, I, I bring this up because could you get away with that if you're a conservative, a whisper campaign? or anti-Semitic comment. For Christ's sake, every conservative gets held for what David Duke says and Rush Limbaugh says. Here's a sitting congresswoman literally saying Israel's the devil. And she's going to the Women's March. More to follow on this, because I'm sure I'll have pretty a, pretty a lot of CNN sound bites this weekend. Then we get to Karen Pence. 
You're about to hear CBS besmircher for working at a Christian private school and Cuomo talking about throwing knuckles at Christians who are bigots? What? Throwing knuckles? Vice President Mike Pence's wife, Karen, has returned to teaching at a Christian school in Virginia where gay students and teachers are not welcomed. Here's Chip Reed. I call my initiative Art Therapy Healing with the Heart. Second Lady Karen Pence's decision to teach art part-time at Emanuel Christian School in Northern Virginia has generated controversy. That's because the private elementary school's website says it may refuse admission or discontinue enrollment of a student if a parent or guardian violates a biblical lifestyle. Prohibited behavior includes participating in, supporting, or condoning homosexual activity. Likewise, employees, including teachers, can be fired for engaging in homosexual or lesbian activity or transgender identity. Those rules would appear to be consistent with the views of Vice President Mike Pence, a longtime critic of gay rights. To defend that institution that forms the backbone of our society, traditional marriage. Rules banning homosexuality are not uncommon at private Christian schools, and generally they do not violate the law. Karen Pence is sending a message. But law professor Evan Wolfson says the question is not what's legal, it's what's right for victims of discrimination. This is the second lady of the United States cheering that discrimination and exclusion on. A spokesperson for Karen Pence said in a statement, it's absurd that her decision to teach art to children at a Christian school and the school's religious beliefs are under attack. Emanuel Christian School did not respond to our request for comment. And this choice echoes to all who comprise America's matrix of minorities, who fear being treated as less than. Blacks, Latinos, ethnics, LGBT, too. None is welcome in that message of hate. Still worse, the president's quiet forces the suggestion that he supports what he fails to oppose. Factor this in. Karen Pence is the wife of the vice president. She's teaching art at a place where the application requires would-be employees to initial next to a list of beliefs, including certain moral misconduct, includes homosexual or transgender identity as being disqualifying, or any other violation of the unique roles of male and female. Now, don't cheapen my argument by saying Cuomo's equating Christianity and white power, please. That's, a, that's a, just a, a slip of an obvious point. I am a flawed, failing, repentant Christian. Okay, if I had any bias, it would be in favor of faith. The point is that the value of exclusion is embraced here. And our vice president's wife, in the place where she is, it does the same thing. And it adds to the anxiety for people around why this White House, why this president doesn't speak out against a member of his party that embraces a message that isolates the same kinds of people that are being singled out where the vice president's wife works. The there are moments when you do the right thing. God forbid you and I are out, which, you know, happens on a regular basis. Somebody comes up, says something ugly to you. It happens. Who knows what happens to me for you doing that? You embrace them. You hug but, them. But yeah, I hug them. I hug them with three <laughs> knuckles that make their eyes roll into their head and they wake up seven minutes with a headache later. The point is you stand up against the ugly people and you do what has to be done in the moment because none of us tolerate that kind of BS. That's what you do for the people you care about. The president's job is to care about all of us. Yeah. And he's got to stand up against it. And you can't let him get away with <clears throat> saying nothing. Either you're for King or you're against him. 
So basically my point with this segment, you can hate Israel if you're Palestinian or a congresswoman who wears a hijab, but if you work at a school that has religious doctrine that is being applied to and they do not want to, to muddy the waters on what they believe Christianity is, you're a bigot and a piece of shit. Washington Post, school has hired Karen Pence, requires applicants to disavow gay marriage. Newsweek, Karen Pence just started working at a school that bans LGBT. CNN, Karen Pence will teach at a school that bans gay students. Kate Bennett, CNN. So let me get this straight. The second lady of the United States has chosen to work at a school that openly discriminates against LGBT adults and children. Another way to state this is to say that a Christian school requires applicants to adhere to orthodox Christian theology, just like many Christian colleges, just like the Christian school my kids attend. Yep, that's pretty much what was happening. But Bennett offered up a previous tweet to explain, my beef isn't necessarily with the school, which is private and Christian. The, the great thing about this country is people have free will to practice their faith. My problem is the second lady of the United States is voluntarily choosing a school that bans homosexuality. So basically what it says is, it's okay for schools to do that unless you're Christian. Unless you're Christian, you can't do this. The entire world attacked her. Sigh. I can't speak for anyone else, but if the school's policy was the same as the Catholic school she selected, I would find the same sense of disappointment. I'm not partisan. And as you can see, I tweeted Mrs. Pence spokes in response to her defense. Molly Hemingway, Washington Post continues his war against Christians for being Christian and taking sexual morality questions. Matt Walsh, Karen Pench hired by a school that expects students and teachers to accept biblical teaching, which of course is the total reasonable and normal and the kind of thing that only a fool would be outraged about. It's just like hating fucking Chick-fil-A because they're closed on Sunday. You fucking people! That was okay. That was a whole day in the media that a Christian wanted to teach at a school that follows Christian orthodoxy. I'm sorry, but I don't think Mother's Teresa of the Valley is going to have a transgender person of color teaching theology. And if you really had a problem with it, then you'd be calling out madrasas to leave. Omar, Farrakhan, everybody who hangs out with Farrakhan, Maxine Waters. You're a bunch of fucking hypocrites, and worse, you're bigots. Because the only religion you go after is Christianity. Two silly stories. Somebody gave out a copy of the Washington Post. They were fake. Title, Unprecedented. Trump resigns. People thought it was real. They were so happy, they were giddy about it. Then Media Research does this. We found another one. Pelosi up shutdown pressure on Trump. Casio Cortez tweets her disdain for persistent conservative criticism. Gillibrand seeks to define herself as she starts campaign. Lifting student aid ban for inmates would boost economic studies, say. At hearing, Trump's EPA nominee vows to advance deregulatory agenda. Mueller again focuses on bar hearing. Oops, that's a real Washington Post. Yeah. Then a couple podcasts ago, we covered Stephen King. Stephen King. Sean King. Been outed for his race lying, been outed for all his many race hustling. 
Now a black lady has called him out, Clarissa Brooks. Where'd the money go? And as sure as shit, people are starting to distance themselves from Sean King. Except for CNN, who hasn't done a story on it. Yeah. Let's go to hate tweets. Hate tweet of the day! Adversaries right now might look at us and say, we don't know what the hell they're going to do because this president is completely unpredictable. Their intelligence agencies are trying to analyze our, our moves and can't understand them. I would take it a step further and worry that we look weak and that this is uh, the moment that anybody with ill will uh, has to act or to get further than they have been able to get in the past uh, as, a, right. as it pertains to us on the international stage. Uh, national security issues. Stephanie, bef- before Donald Trump got elected, Lindsey Graham called Donald Trump a racist, xenophobic bigot. That is Lindsey Graham's words. I doubt Lindsey Graham could tell you Donald Trump's had a change of heart in the last 24 months. I bet what the change of heart has been with Lindsey Graham, not the president. Or it could be that Donald Trump or somebody knows something pretty extreme about Lindsey Graham. Uh, We're going to leave it there. So that's Mika. Our enemies should strike now. Really? And then the whole Lindsey Graham's being blackmailed, but there's no proof because he's gay. Yeah, then get away from it. Then there's Montel Williams. Retweet if you think Napa police should tase Laura Loomer. I'm tired of this child. That tweet still stands, folks. You can do that. Funny thing, she did jump Nancy Pelosi's fence with some immigrants and make a fun out of it. <laughs> then that racist Michael Bennett lost this weekend. And then almost attacked a fucking cameraman trying to video him. Okay, here's a video of Eagles defensive tackle Michael Bennett walking off the field after Saints Eagles playoff game confronting cameraman from CBS Philadelphia. This video shot was by was by our cameraman left eye Daquano as we were preparing for our coverage. Yeah. Huh. Then you got Kathy Griffin. These once again are allowed to stand. Oh, great, Don. I'll never forgive you for your nasty tweet the day my smear campaign started. You know it was fucking smear campaign, and you have never taken a moment to apologize. Some liberal you are. Yes, my memory is long, and my ex-friend, shame on you. I keep a list. Fear me. That's to Don Cheenal. He says, what? Then she says, huh, you're a dick in real life, but believe it or not, I truly hope what I went through never happens to you. Never. And if it did, I would be the first in line to stand up for you, get my ass on television, and do everything I could to defend you in the First Amendment. It's easy, Don. Don replies, okay, Kathy, we had one conversation on a flight about our mutual disgust for an individual, Trump. I don't friend that quickly, so we can't really be exes. Two, and I believe your friend and you had asked my opinion. I wouldn't have said, Kathy, for your own sake, please do not. I care less about two fucking liberal pieces of shit arguing, but fear me? You can do that? Huh. Then more silly. New York Post. Pose star Billy Porter uses fashion to fight Trump. That was in multiple news agencies. Breaking. Trump resigned. Cites man in cape as obstacle too big to overcome. <laughs> then Ryan Savandra. 
Democrat Beto O'Rourke appears to suggest doing away with the U.S. Constitution in an interview with Washington Post. Throughout the two-hour interview, blah, 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 uh, O'Rourke boomerang between bright-eyed hope that he and the United States would soon dramatically change an approach to a whole host of issues and dismal suspicion that the country is now incapable of implementing sweeping changes. When asked which it is, O'Rourke paused. I'm hesitant to answer it because I really feel like it deserves its due, and I don't want to give you a, actually just selfishly, I don't want a soundbite of it reported, but yeah, I think that's a question of the moment. Does it still work? Can an empire like ours with a military presence in 170 countries around the globe with trading relationship and security agreements in every continent, can it still be managed by the same principles that were set down 230 years ago? What is wrong with Democrats in the Constitution? You hired a constitutional lawyer or professor who wiped his ass with it, and now you just want to get rid of it. Maybe you should hire another constitutional professor. Then this came down. In an interview with Washington Post, celebrity Democrat Socialist Representative Alexander Cortez used the phrase, run train, to describe her plans over the next two years. I also think it's encouraging, but this is my sixth day in Congress, and they're out They're out of all their artillery. The nude the is supposed to be like the bazooka, you know, like... We're going to take her down, dude. You're all out of bullets. You're all out of bombs. You're all out of this stuff. What have you got left? I'm six days into term and you've already used all your ammo. So enjoy being exhausted for the next two years while we run train on the progressive agenda. David Roots. In case you're not aware of the meaning of run train, Urban Dictionary defines it as gangbang. Yeah. Yeah. When confronted by it, she said, it's them, not me. Run a train. Yeah, you're going to run a train on the Constitution, too. Josh Charles, fuck every single person who continues to support the president. Okay, I'm going to fuck anything you're in by not watching and are paying for it. And then the big whammy, Gillette, the worst an ad can get. This thing just fucking crushed me. Oh, Jesus. Gillette decided to use his authority as the best a man could get to school men in the proper post-MeToo behavior. In an ad brimming with PC condensation, or condescension, the shaving company held men in general account for the existence of toxic masculinity. In a short, many people are not happy about it. BBC reports that Gillette is currently receiving major backlash and a wide boycott of its brand. The outlet claimed that even though many are satisfied with this new update to a 30-year-old brand slogan, many more are claiming that the razor company is dead to them. Current reaction to the ad on YouTube, for example, shows only 62,000 people approve compared to 305. When I pulled the soundbite, it was 888,000 go fuck yourself. The internet is clearly against the new marketing, with many people on Twitter incredulous that Gillette has managed to alienate your biggest sales group for your product. Obviously, the sales group referred to is men, and it's not hard to see why many of them take offense to the progressive product placement. The ad made several points linking sexism, misogyny, and bullying to masculinity and argued that society's perspective on manlyhood is poisoning the younger generation. 
Gillette President Gary Coombs stated, by holding each other accountable, eliminating excuses for bad behavior, and supporting a new generational working towards their personal best, we can help create positive change that will matter for years to come. The most insulting part of the whole thing may be that a razor blade manufacturer believes men, especially fathers raising boys, needs advice on masculinity. BBC mentioned that there had been a call for Gillette parent company Procter & Gamble to release an apology video, though despite all the negative reaction, there may not be any incentive for Gillette to backtrack. Bob Sanders, account manager for UK company Media Agency Group, echoed the adage that bad publicity is still publicity, he stated. Their ad is getting them good publicity and good numbers are causing a debate. Oh, really? So the tweet, boys will be boys. Isn't it time we stop excusing bad behavior? Rethink and take action by joining us and watching this piece of shit. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Not cool, not cool. Some already are. In ways big. Y'all, men. And small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough. It's not how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. 30 years ago, Gillette debuted its popular tagline, the best a man can get at the Super Bowl. But now Gillette is challenging its customers and making one thing clear with this ad. The common saying, boys will be boys, is old, it's outdated, and it's not an excuse for bad behavior. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. Framing it in the context of the Me Too movement that has swept the country. We can't hide from it. Sexual harassment is taking over. It's been going on far too long. It addresses toxic masculinity, or stereotypical male gender roles, head on. What I actually think she's trying to say. It's really powerful for a a company that's so tied with a male rite of passage, which is shaving, to talk about masculinity and basically to issue a challenge to Americans to rethink what they think a man is. In the era of Me Too, advertisers are evolving along with our culture. At the end of that was NBC cheering it on. Men angry at razors, Jezebel, sorry, says it's all fucked up. Dollar Shave Club. Welcome to the club. After Gillette's ridiculous stunt, that's supposed to be like Black Friday for you. (laughs) 
another person, the new Gillette ad sent me here. You got yourself a new customer. My response, as an alpha male raised by a woman, married for 33 years, raised two kids and grandkids, defended the country for 20 years, but in the business community for 15, your broad brush towards normal men is idiotic. Liberal men committed most of the Me Too in Hollywood. Secondly, every time companies buck to the progress Progressive virtue signaling, it never works out, so join Burger King, Dicks, and the rest of the resist crowd in losing business. I needed razors and cream from you, not social justice. Then Harry's. Today is International Men's Day, believe it or not, that's a thing. Now more than ever, being a man demands introspection, humility, and optimism. To get to a better tomorrow, we need to take a look at today today, and the misguided stereotypes that's got us here in the first place. They got bashed. We have immense respect for men and women and we have continued to serve our country day in and day out. We also feel that men that don't fit the traditional stereotype deserve respect too. My respect answer to them is... The world needs more alphas and less skinny, gene, gluten-free fembots. Christy Swanson just nailed it. Well, wouldn't you look at my Gillette? And let us not forget Gillette's past ad campaign using supermodels to get men to shave below their necks. You remember NASCAR and women walking around with Gillette on their ass? I've seen, as I said to her, I've seen more Gillette on asses than I have on TV. Other ad campaigns. 74% of women think men should partake in body hair removal, including our ladies. Kate Upton, Gino Rodriguez, Hannah Simone, and What Women Want. New York Times did a cover story. My new Gillette video with Hannah Simone and Gina Rodriguez in the New York Times. We tell what women want. Watch. Congrats to Gillette on a fantastic campaign featuring a scan life powered QR code. Scan to read Cup Upton's mind. Hannah Simone, I'll be at Tokyo Central today to help Gillette Canada with a highly important social experiment. Do you shave your balls? I play a soundbite by Kate Upton. The, the entire commercial, you've heard it. It's basically if you shave good, you're going to get shave. Fucking Kate Upton's ass on your face. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I don't fucking people, man. What the fucking fuck is wrong with you? What is wrong? Emma four Emma four eighty nine. Democrats, Gillette, Nike, NFL, Islam, and Congress, open borders, etc. Just sick of it all. We're going to hell in a handbasket if something doesn't change. It keeps getting worse. Americans voted in Trump to lead, so let him lead and have some faith in who we elected. Yeah. Except for the ending. I, Man, I just don't even... Well, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Every day we have toxic masculinity. You want to like make men into women. Transgender's cool. Getting your dick and turning it into canoe is what you're supposed to do. I mean, what the fuck? That sounds like tippy canoe and what was was the presidential campaign? Yeah. So our tweet of the day, stunning attack on free press. MSM gets blanketed in snow as Marine One carries the president and lands on him. And I laughed so hard at this. So no music break and news and social media nuggets.
Enjoy the media getting douched with snow. Some other men do Get out of here And get me some money too Some other men do Get out of here And get me some money too Why don't you do right Like some other men do Like some other men do Like some other men do Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reese. This, this, is, this is something, man. This is, this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Three dosen. Go ahead, sound. Let's hear me dig this. 
Military corner, sadly, four U.S. troops, civilian workers killed, three wounded in Syria bombing, claimed by ISIS in Syria. Jennifer Rubin, can't be. Trump said ISIS is defeated. I, it's the first time I ever told somebody to fuck off on Twitter. You know, every time a liberal runs their mouth about soldiers, I just get so fucking angry. I just get so fucking angry. I mean, seriously, don't. You don't support soldiers. You side with Iran who tried to fucking kill us all with their fucking IEDs. So just shut up. CBO suggests raising TRICARE fees, cutting veteran benefits to slash deficits. In their little tirade here, narrowing eligibility for disabled compensation for seven diseases the government accountability office has said are not caused or advocated by military service, including osteocelerotic heart disease, chronic obstruction, pulmonary disease, Crohn's disease, hemorrhoids, multiple sclerosis, osteoarthritis, and uterine fibroids. This option would save $33 billion over 10 years, ending the VA's individual unemployability payments to disabled veterans when they turn 67, the retirement age for receiving full Social Security benefits, so that's $48 billion. Reducing disability benefits to veterans older than 67 who are receiving Social Security. Eliminating disability compensation for 1.3 million veterans with disability rates below 30%, saving $38 billion over an eight-year period. Once again, CBO, fuck those vets. We'll give freebies to fucking illegals. Let them have all the free shit we want to give them so they'll vote for Democrats. But the veterans, go fuck yourself. Okay. Seven military discounts to help during a government shutdown. Home Depot, 10%. Gee, that's really going to help you. Military families are always on the go, but travel is expensive before booking that flight. Keep in mind, Space A, hotels that are on a list to give discount, taxes, Technology, cell phones, T-Mobile is going to help people out. And groceries, Sam Club, Costco, and Fred Meyer are giving military discounts. Or you could just pony up to Costco. This is an actual article on militaryspouses.com. Costco is now selling a 27-pound bucket of macaroni and cheese. You can never have too much mac and cheese, right? Or I don't know. Maybe you can, thanks to Costco. Costco, a warehouse store, fondly adored for its free samples and delicious food court options, now sells a 27-pound bucket of macaroni and cheese. A lot of mac, a lot of cheese, a lot of money. The Chef Banquet brand mac and cheese contains 180 servings of the delicious comfort food and retails for $89.99. To start, the big-ass bucket is not full of pre-made mac and cheese that you scoop out cafeteria-style. That would be hella gross, this article says. According to listing on Costco webpage, the bucket is full of 180 individually packaged servings of elbow pasta and 180 individual packaged servings of cheddar cheese sauce. Each pouch is also sealed with oxygen absorbers to protect the quality for 20 years. Amazon sells it too. Holy fucking shit, that's a lot of goddamn macaroni and cheese. Daughter, please draw 50,000 birthday cards for Purple Heart Veteran. 
Sue Morris requests to Facebook that friends send her father well wishes for his December 30th birthday. She expected maybe 160 cards. At 96, the World War II veteran and Purple Heart Medal recipient, Dwayne Sherman, has survived most of his friends, and he got 50,000 birthday cards. That is fucking fantastic. Then to show that now liberalism is even creeping in on vets on a military board. Should we remove combat patches to be sensitive to those who don't have them? BCT ordered to remove combat patches during training at Fort No Matter so the ones without them don't get hurt feelings. Reason? The unit just returned from Afghanistan and almost everyone had a patch but the large influx of new soldiers, E1s and E2s, that have never deployed and they are saying they are left out because they don't have a patch. People like me responded, should tell them if they wanted to be issued feelings, go to the Air Force and what the fuck, suck it up buttercup, they earn those patches. You want one? Go earn one. Sweet God in heaven. The worst part is if that's a true story and I can't confirm because I Googled and I couldn't find it. That means literally some officer came up with that or some very young SAR major. You wear what you earn. If that's the case, then everybody gets a Ranger tab for fuck's sake. I want a Ranger tab. I'm left out. No. That's not how, none of this works this way. To our college crazy, I'm going to play some sound bites. One's a Netflix, we'll reference it later, but for editing it's easier to play up front. Um, the other is another one of those college kids say the darndest things because they're talking out their ass about Trump, but they really don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, yeah. Those are the two. Enjoy. I'm Kevin Phillips with Campus Reform. Tonight, President Trump is giving a speech at the southern border where many people expect him to announce a state of emergency. What do students have to say about that state of emergency and what would their solution be for the border crisis? Let's find out. President Trump wants a border wall along the Mexican border in the south. What's your take on that idea? Um, I think that it is um, an un-American idea. I think it's a little ridiculous. I think it's a, a little bit of a show. I think, I think about like, midterms and the way that people voted. I'm like, I'm not sure this is really the will of the people, but I think it's important to human rights on the southern border, no matter what. Um, How does a wall violate human rights, though? I don't think that any wall is going to stop migration from coming into the U.S. and it will only uh, open other illegal channels to try to for immigrants, for illegal immigrants. I personally am against the wall. I think it seems like an overly expensive uh, and underly effective uh, waste. I think it's I think it's too much money for too little effectiveness. President Trump is going down to the border tonight. He's giving a speech. Expectations are that he's going to declare a state of emergency at the border. What's your thought on that idea? I think it's um, in short an abuse of his power to declare that it's a state of emergency. It's very clear that this isn't an actual emergency. This is not a crisis. We've had um, mayors from um, El Paso, Texas in that area and that southern border region that you know are saying you know there's no crisis here, you know, this is one of the safest cities in America. Uh, I don't know that I think it's a state of emergency in terms of, like, 
Um, it's not any worse today than it was a few months ago. The southern border crisis is uh, something that President Trump has manufactured himself. I don't think that the border situation is an emergency. I don't think it's, it's, it's justified. I don't think that they are creating any damage to the U.S. or to U.S. citizens. What would you say is a bigger emergency facing America, the border crisis or President Trump's administration? I believe that it is um, his administration and his lack of ability to lead and to understand. I would say President Trump for me. And what makes you say that? I just, so for me, it's about international prestige in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like the president really represents us internationally. So I think it's important to have somebody who conducts themselves in a certain kind of way. Would you say that President Trump or the border crisis is a bigger emergency facing America? Uh, I would go for President Trump. And uh, I feel safe to say that in Washington, D.C. Okay. Yeah, I would say Donald Trump's presidency is in critical condition. Okay. Yeah. And would you say it's a state of emergency for the country? Yeah, definitely. What would you like the border to look like? What do you think we should do if not a wall? I think that we have taken the decision of creating a North American region. I think that that was already decided since 1994. I think that... Well, the U.S. is a separate country. It's not just North America. There's Canada. There's Mexico in there. Yeah, of course. But precisely, it's a region. And we have decided to become more and more integrated. And we have decided to uh, strengthen our ties as countries. And I think it makes a lot of sense to have it be as open as it is, if not more open, and have people be able to legally work here and then go back if they want to go back or if they can stay here if they want to stay here but i would say more open i see an, a moral imperative to welcome in the stranger now i would say that i would i would probably try and change our emphasis in in welcoming and loving those people uh who are so disadvantaged and underprivileged that they that they feel the need to seek asylum in the united states like, uh, president trump is just an individual I and mean, the presidency is uh greater than any individual i think the greater crisis right now that we're seeing is uh our congress i think if we think about what our lives are like today in 2019 they're really not that different than they were in 2016. Do you use contraception? Yeah. Condoms. But I didn't notice it split or anything. Mm. And condoms aren't always 100% effective. It certainly appears that way. Have you considered any other forms of contraception? Uh, implants, the pill? I'll think about it. And how many sexual partners do you currently have? Male or female? Just one at the moment. He's a he. And have you considered the possibility of adoption? Don't think anyone will want a pregnant 17-year-old. <laughs> I don't want to do adoption, no. Right. And who's going to be there to collect you after the procedure? Uh, no one, just me. Mm. Well, unfortunately, it's a requirement. What if I was a serial killer? Or a hermit? Or my whole family had died in a fire, would I still need to bring someone then? Yeah. It's our policy. I know, that was a lazy way to do it. I'll reference to the Netflix one when we get to the article. But with the music in the background, sometimes it's hard to layer this stuff. And, yeah, I'm lazy. UC Davis shrugs shoulders after student group attacks fallen police officer. 
Student group at the University of California, Davis, deleted a Facebook page after posting an attack on a fallen police officer. Outside backlash to the post was swift. The university reaction was tepid. The Ethics and Cultural Affairs Commission of the University of California, Davis, posted a Facebook message saying that the murdered police officer, Natalie Corona, was a racist because she posed with Blue Lives Matter flag in various photos. UC Davis, for its part, responded, albeit quite tepidly, the flag is a blatant anti-black and disrespectful. We would also like to provide resources for students triggered by this event and circulating images of flag that is popularized by Blue Lives Matter crowd. We see it's necessary to call out all community members who continue to post, post and disseminate images of the Blue Lives Matter flag online. The group offered its condolences to the family of the fallen police officer but further discriticized the flag Corona had held. Flashlight sirens and increased police presence can be triggering to many black and brown people. In addition, there has been the circulation of an image of the Blue Lives Matter flag. We would like to directly address that flag. It represents an attempt to, by law enforcement to undermine the Black Lives Movement. This is the female officer that was killed, 22 years old. Flashlight sirens and, and lights, flashing lights and sirens, only trigger people who are fucking criminals. If you're not doing anything wrong, it doesn't trigger me. Doesn't trigger Asians. Doesn't trigger anybody else. But it's always illegals and African Americans who have criminal records and are douchebags and went off on this all cops are racist, even if you're black. Blue Lives Matter flag is racist. They took a picture of this beautiful young girl who got killed and she's holding the flag. She's a cop for fucking idiots. But the gay flag's good, right? The transgender flag's good. The map flag, that's not wrong. Pedophiles need a flag. You cops, go fuck yourself. Then in Florida, more masculinity. Valencia College will host a workshop dedicated to inform people that visible and invisible violence of gender roles as a part of a conversation for justice. The event will seek to encourage reflection and dialogue while connecting with others and while imagining a non-violent gender approach. The workshop will use theater games and other artistic languages to explore the visible and visible violence generated by gender roles and by ideas about masculinity and femininity. Yeah. To traditional masculinity which the American Psychological Association called harmful. The main thrust of the subsequent research is that traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is on the world, on the whole, harmful to the world. The guideline reads. Oh. I'm just supposed to let everybody else kick my ass. Here, lady. I won this race, but because I'm a male, you win it. Because you got a vagina. Okay, getting right on that. Texas A&M University Commerce is willing to fork over nearly 70000 per year for an English professor. What are they going to be writing? Social justice. The job listing reads like the typical tenure track English professor opening, but specifics, or excuse me, specifies that the ideal candidate background would include an active research agenda in one of number of specified categories. Aside from community writing, public rhetoric, the desired topics are largely focused on writing through social justice or identity politics themes, identity politics themed lenses. Listing all calls for applicants with a background in feminist, Latinx, 
transgender, decolonial, transnational, queer. We're going to pay him $66,666.60. Because you're the devil. Professor who prays black English claims Trump's typos about hamburger burger makes them unfit for the office. Wrote a whole article in the Atlantic. He's unfit because he accidentally typed hanger burger. You know, I got fat fingers. A lot of times when I tweet stuff, I said Pelosi the other day and I said Pelosis. I'm not the president, but typos happen. Why is it Democrats can get away with typos, but everybody else is a stupid fuck? What it really comes down to, if anybody remembers the 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 beginning age of internet arguments, back in the day, love to say back in the day, basically, when a liberal lost the argument, that's what they went to. Your English sucks. You didn't use the right verb. That sentence is incomplete. Now it's just, you're an idiot because you don't believe that they're, you know, race is a construct. Sex is a construct. Your penis is evil. Yeah. They've evolved a long way, but that's how they used to be. And then our finally co- final college one, college promotes anti-Trump women's march. One offers free poster supplies. Iowa State University, the University of California, Berkeley, and the University of Pennsylvania are encouraging to protest and going to give them poster board and posters while they raise the rates on everybody for college. You're going to get some free goddamn chance sheets. That's great. So, of course, I played the Netflix Netflix show character defends her three abortions. I feel way more guilty about the kids I have. Which starts our social media on abortion. YouTube changes search results to promote abortion. In a new leak to Breitbart, YouTube employees admit that they manipulate search results on the platform to promote certain liberal values. They also blacklist videos whose arguments they disagree with. While YouTube's sister company, Google, has denied any manual changes to search results to promote certain ideas over the other, it seems that YouTube's doing just that. Breitbart published a leaked conversation between YouTube employee and a partial list of blacklisted terms. Another leaked email, a member of Google Trust and Safety Team admitted that it wasn't just YouTube, but also Google Assistant, Google Home, and Google Search results. When a slight reporter complained that there were no were pro-life videos in the YouTube search results, YouTube hastily demoted all of them so they would not end up in the top 10 results. Three videos featured a woman who regretted her abortion, a former abortion doctor story, and conservative Ben Shapiro were replaced by something from CNN and a Vice video. The members of the trust and safety team, Daniel Arosa, also wrote an explanation how blacklisting and the manipulation work. From a user perspective, said Aronson, there are subjects that are prone to hyperbolic content, misleading information, and offensive content. Or basically, liberals speak for, yeah, that's bad for our cause, so even though it's factual, we're not going to let people see it. He explained that while many people preferred organic search, where content should be accessed no matter how offensive it might be, Google and YouTube apparently had different expectations. There was 
There was when a passing comment referenced the Pepsi formula to help their employees figure out how to manipulate different results. A majority of the blacklisted search terms include conspiracy theories surrounding the Parkland shooting of David Hogg. However, abortion, the Ireland abortion referendum, and pro-life material were also blacklisted to have manipulated search results. Since YouTube removed pro-life video exposing Planned Parenthood in the past week, this should not come as a surprise. And which one was it? Pro-life group Live Action was censored on YouTube a week after week before the March for Life. The streaming service took down a video exposing Planned Parenthood's medical malpractice, citing it is hate speech. The video includes someone posing as a pimp asking Planned Parenthood officials if they reported minors who came in for abortion. The video is from 2011. James O'Keefe, we played it on the show. 14 and under, we do not have to report, she told them that those that came in who said they were 15 and older were unreported. As long as they said was 15 or 16, she also told the pimp that they were under no obligation to report minors. As long as you got the Benjamin, we kill that baby in an amoeba, motherfucker! Liberals then are self are promoting self-induced abortion. This is a real thing. Just when you thought it was... We had seen it all. Alas, liberals have surpassed the reasonable person's standard for sanity. Far-left feminists are now praising the practice of at-home, self-induced abortions and calling for stigmas to be removed from the concept. Abortions performed outside of a clinic or hospital are actually applauded as empowering for women, per an op-ed, the Daily Beast from NARAL. Rather than shaming, judging, or jailing women for ending their own pregnancy or seeking medical care afterwards, we must ensure that however a person decides to end a pregnancy, they can do so safely, effectively, and with dignity. These women see DIY abortion as nothing to fear. Pro-choice movement has portrayed non-clinic abortion as a last resort, but some women are trying to change that image. The article follows a new movement, the Self-Induced Legal Abortion Team, which advocates for increased home abortions without legal repercussion. The group sees virtually no safety issue for women with abortions performed at home with no medical help, and even so as far as to claim that self-induced abortions are crucial aspects of pro-choice ideology. The most amazing thing about all of this, if you watch it, especially with these RBG shit, and they're so scared they're going to lose abortion, they're teaching people to use the coat hanger now. When abortion is legal. What, what is wrong with you when your whole life is revolving around killing babies? What does that say about you? Where did you get off the right path? Then we got Daniel Kempomer about fetal tissue. Dear SCOTUS, fetal tissue is not a person. Repeated, repeated like 12,000 times. Somebody said, but I am. And I matter more than fetal tissue. Signed, people who have miscarriages and abortion. See, people who have miscarriages are very different from people who have abortions 97% of the time. Look, if you're a pro-abort who wants to push your agenda, go for it. But leave women and men who've lost children to a miscarriage out of it, somebody says. Ben Shapiro, you are made of fetal tissue. There is no distinction in the biology of human flesh before and after the birth. This skank hoe went on to argue that he is wrong. And I just once again want to say, when did biology fall out of liberals? When, when did biology mean nothing? I mean, you've gone straight into no biology. Biology's bullshit. 
simultaneously when this is all going on, Elizabeth Warren is running for president, compares an abortion to getting your tonsils taken out. Except the tonsils are attached to a kid. He's taking it all out. And then Cuomo demands bill allowing abortion up to birth or he won't sign it. He won't sign the state budget. Simultaneously, Center for Disease Control and Prevention that the United States is in seventh year in a row of declining fertility rates. They said there were only 1,765.5 births per 1,000 women. The nation's nation's total fertility rate was 16% below the level for a population to replace itself last year. And only two states, South Dakota and Utah, have total fertility rates above replacement levels. Washington, D.C. had the lowest rate, and the gap between it and South Dakota was 57%, because it's mostly African-American, and Planned Parenthood has 90 clinics there. They're all about killing them babies. Let's kill the babies! More abortion news. I got a theme today. Sorry. These all came up artificially. You know, I didn't actually search for them. But with the March for Life today, it makes sense. New poll, three-quarters of Americans support restrictions on abortion. This is a different poll than the front one. Same numbers. Hmm. Interesting that America doesn't believe, like Democrats, that we're just supposed to kill all the babies. Very interesting. Trans teen mom on TLC. I want to have a farewell to my penis party. Yeah, that's great. Who is banned? News Hour airs 14 unanimous minutes of transgender in the Army advocacy. This was on PBS. The subject was banned on transgenders in the military. PBS was enforcing a different kind of ban, not allowing any dehumanizing traditional views about gender to be expressed. First came nine minutes promoting a left-wing documentary called Trans Military, which began as a one-sided New York Times video. Co-director Gabe Silberman and trans woman Lalaya Ireland, who has a dick, made their case against the Trump administration to ban transgenders. That was followed by a five-minute puffball interview with Chase Stragiano, a trans man, an attorney with the ACLU, LGBT, and HIV project. Then went on to a long tirade with a guy that used to be trans in the Army, or used to be in the Army as trans. And at the very end, Strangio blamed Christian homophobia for the terrorist mass shooting at Orlando. Okay. Yeah, that had a lot to do with it. He was a terrorist, but man, go ahead. Then we came up with a note, new trans thing going on now. This, I guess, is like the eighth time somebody saw this and they retweeted it. Newsweek. Bizarre ear condition makes women unable to hear men's voices. So, April Daniels, a dude with uh, boobies, as trans woman whose vocal cords were ir- irreparably damaged by the harmful non-consensual puberty I was forced to go through by my transphobic mother... I could really do with fewer cis women gleefully retreating the story and implying they wish they had this condition. Non-consensual puberty. Really. That's, that's a new thing now? Because you had parents who didn't believe at the age of nine you should be fucking your body up with the other side of the uh, gender spectrum's hormones? Okay. South Dakota considering Bill barring transgender students from competing against opposite biological sex. 
I am really surprised this hasn't become a new thing. I I think it's going to happen, folks. Nationally. This is going to happen. It's going to have to happen. Because kids are getting fucked up by dudes with dicks saying they're girls and going on playing girls sports because they couldn't win in boys sports. Then a story brought to me by my better half, Gigi in Tennessee. I don't know how I missed this one. She found it. Vagina wigs were an actual thing in 2018. Vagina wigs. Yes, you read that title correctly. And to be clear, this isn't a common trend. It's a product of this year's New York Fashion Week. Fashion has been making statements for centuries, so this part... Of it's not surprising. However, we doubt anyone was expecting to see Merkins, aka vagina wigs, on the runway anytime soon. Fashion designer Kameen produced the concept displaying a series of wig driven designs. Furthermore, Kameen made his fashion choice for a reason not to raise eyebrows for the heck of it. If that piques your curiosity, keep reading. Literally, afros hanging out of the clothes. It looks like fucking Jefferson's. It's dynamite when you have like a 10 foot tall pube mound sticking out of your clothes. Hmm. Yeah. You know, on the show, I talk a lot about city people, rural people, how the coasts look down on us, judge us, etc., etc. And then I read stories like this and go, you fucking people. Someone has allegedly been hurling dirty diapers from a New York City apartment building on the Lower East Side. Yeah. Story goes, someone has allegedly been throwing dirty diapers in the windows of a public housing complex on Essex Street on the Lower East Side. Sold diapers and trash have been thrown out of windows for months, falling on the canopy and sidewalks of the Seward Park Extension Building, according to New York City Homeowners Association. Because of these incidents, New York City Homeowners Association is regularly cleaning all garbage and debris in their area and development. It's disgusting, resident Robbie Stucker said, to which fellow resident Sean Tucker adds, sometimes the diapers come down and almost hit you. Though by Monday, no trash or diapers were on the awning. Two construction workers working across the street from the building confirmed in News 4, New York, seen diapers and other trash in the past. Yeah. Huh. Well, isn't that nice? Tossing out a turd bag on somebody. Yeah. In our non-social stuff, so that's why it's here, not in the first Netflix story, they're going to raise the rates on everybody. So, I haven't got an email or anything saying they're raising the rates. They're they're just doing it. They're going to raise them 13 to 18%. So, you're going to pay more to watch uh, Barack Obama tell you you're evil because you don't want to chop your dick off and fucking you're not an Islamist. Okay. Tanker truck carrying 3,500 gallons of chocolate spills on Arizona I-40. Department of Public Safety Arizona tweet. There is a river of chocolate blocking flow and blocking and flowing in the westbound lanes of I-40 at milepost 211 east of Flagstaff. A tanker truck carrying 40,000 gallons of liquid chocolate rolled over. This will be a sweet cleanup. <laughs> and, you know, we think we suck. And we think we have all these conspiracy theorists. But all right out of the gate, Chinese moon landing was faked. 
Scott C. Waring believes he spotted stage prop line and photo of the Jade Rabbit bro- Rover. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sure. If that was the case, we would know. Trump would have tweeted it by now, folks. <laughs> Not the best president, but he would have. And then I think this is the closing. Yeah, this is the last article before we go into a lighter fare, which is really funny. But I had to just cover this because this sums up liberalism. I mean, I, I truly believe, and I espoused on the show numerous times, <clears throat> they want to kill anything that's traditional. Anything that's traditional must go away because that's bad. And it's not just current liberals. This has been going for a long time. If you go back to Sesame Street, children's books, Dora the fucking Explorer, they have pushed the non-nuclear family. Nuclear family, evil, because all these people are still children, you know what I mean? They believe anything should go, especially what they think. Nobody can have a different opinion. If you don't believe like me, think like me, espouse like me. The old argument I make, if you don't eat brisket like me and root for the Green Bay Packers, you're a fucking piece of shit. So at Google, employees melt down over the word family. I guess this is from this year's conference they had. Google employees melt down after the word family was used in a company presentation and documents obtained by the DCNF show. Employees were upset that the word was used in a way that links families with children, which they argued was homophobic. So now if you're having kids, you're homophobic. Because they can't have kids. That's not very inclusive. And that's the next line. The Google vice president acknowledged that the word family had sparked concerns about inclusivity. The Google executive sparked a fierce backlash from employees by using the word family in a weekly company-wide presentation according to the internal documents obtained by the Daily Caller News Foundation. Many Google employees became angry that the term was used when discussing product aimed at children because it implies that families have children, the document shows. The backlash grew large, large enough that Google vice president addressed the controversy and solicited feedback on how the company could become more inclusive. Daily Caller received the document from a source who insisted upon anonymity in order to share them. One employee stormed out of the March 2017 presentation after a presenter continued to show unicorn product features, which continually used the word family as a synonym for household with children. He explained an internal thread. That employee posted an extended rant, which was well-received by his colleagues, on why linking family to children is offensive, inappropriate, homophobic, and wrong. Here it is. This is a diminishing and disrespectful way to speak. If you mean children, say children. We have a perfect word, good word for it. Family-friendly used as a synonym for kid-friendly means to me, you and yours don't count as a family unless you have children. And while kids may often be less aware of it, there are kids without families too, you know. The use of family as a synonym with children has a long-standing association with deeply homophobic organization. This does not mean we should not use the word 
family to refer to families, but it means we must doggedly insist the family does not imply children. Even the sense suitable for the whole family, which might think is unobjectable, is totally wrong too. It only works if we have advanced shared concept of what the whole family is. And that is almost always used to mean a household with two adults of opposite sex and a romantic sexual relationship with two or more of their own children. If you mean that as a synonym for suitable for all people, stop and notice the extraordinary unlikelihood of such a thought. So suitable for the whole family doesn't mean all people. It means all people and families, which either means that all those other people aren't in families or something even worse. Use the word family to mean a loving assemblage of people who may or may not be lived together and may or may not include people of particular age. Stop using it to mean children. It's offensive, inappropriate, homophobic, and wrong. Roughly 100 of Google employees upvoted the posts, signaling their agreement. Other Google employees, who echoed their displeasure with the term, thanks for writing this so much, one wrote, use the word family in this sense bothers me too. Wrote another employee who felt excluded by the term because she was neither married nor parent. It smacks of the family values agenda by the right wing, which is absolutely homophobic by its very definition, she wrote, adding, it's important that we fix our charged language when we become aware of how exclusionary it actually is. As a straight person in a relationship, I find the term family offensive, but it excludes me and my boyfriend because we have no children. My family consists of me and several other trans feminine folks, some of whom I'm dating. We're all supportive of each other and eventually aspire to live together. Just because we're a heterosexual couple with 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and a dog doesn't mean we're not a family! Another employee added in agreement. Another employee wrote this. Using family to mean people with kids is also annoying to me as a straight cis woman who doesn't have or want kids. My husband, my parents, my pets are my family. Google Vice President Pavani Dewanji joined the conversation and acknowledged that the use of the term family had sparked concerns. Hi everyone. I realize what we said at TGIF might have caused concerns in a way we talked about families. There are families without kids too, and also we need to be more conscious about the fact that there is a diverse makeup of parents and families. Please help us to get better. Teach us how and talk about it in an inclusive way if you feel like we're not doing it well. As a team, we have very inclusive culture and want to do right in this area. I'm adding my team here so we can have open conversation. Dewanja Wanja concluded. Word police. You know, Bill Clinton's arguing the word it started something in our society that I never expected. I was upset that somehow in there he made blowjobs not sex. That's what I thought of as a parent because my kid said it. Well, it's not sex. I was concerned with Obama with gay is cool. I'm concerned with this now that kids are running around. I'm going to be trans because it's cool and you get a lot of attention and special treatment. Not because they actually feel that they're the wrong race. But these people word police fucking everything. They get into the goddamn weeds on family. You know, the way my generation looked at it, when me and my wife were just me and my wife, we were a couple. 
You become a family when you have more than two people. You can be gay, trans, you can be whatever the fuck you want. But once you have another entity, either you adopted, created in a test tube, somehow in the future when they get ass uteruses and men, they can fuck each other and make a baby in the ass. That's when you're a family. You're not a family when you're by yourself. I'm cis-normative with my boyfriend, and I have relationships on the side with trans women who also have dicks. No, no. We have a term for you, honey. It's called freak. You're a freak. You fuck everybody. That's a freak. But the most important thing I want to take from this, other than word policing, this is like a Tony Reid is right. These are the people who are owning the internet. Your search results, your news feeds, and they constantly tell you they don't manipulate things, they don't have a bias. And I constantly play sound bites of them. We're going to fix this. And we're going to fix that. And we know we can change an election by fucking 16 points. And here's just two stories of Google blocking on Google and YouTube pro-life material because it doesn't conform to their agenda of abortion through kindergarten. And now they're upset about the use of family. And it's just not them. It's Microsoft. It's Apple. It's fucking Amazon. Fuck me, Jesus is okay. But Muhammad Bathmat is Islamophobic. Okay. It's just disturbing to me. It's just disturbing that these people have the keys to so much information. And there's a lot of stupid people in the world who don't research. I can testify, Google Home now, if you ask if when you got the Amazon fucking Alexa, me and my wife went to the thing, is Barack Obama a Muslim? Just to fuck with it, right? We don't, we don't, we know he's not a Muslim, but that, that's what we did. It would whip out stories and facts that he wasn't. When you ask Google Home something now, it doesn't answer it. I'm not programmed to do that. They blocked all sorts of shit in that thing that it doesn't matter if you say the word, hey, can't say it, my phone will go off. Hey, G-O-O-G-L-E. It's automatically pushing shit. And I've talked about on the show, news feeds, everything. They are purposely altering the culture and information flow in our country and for the first time in my life I'm going to utter words that I've never said those motherfuckers need to be regulated and I don't mean by Republicans they need to be regulated by something other than that it needs to be a non-partisan 4-4 left and right people on a board doing something about this because the flow of information the ignorance they're pushing out 
is more dangerous than Fox News could ever do. Liberals will talk about Fox News, but this is way more dangerous. You have to tune in to Fox News. You have to literally want to go there to get information. Google your phone, unless you have an Apple, automatically goes to it. Any fucking home device goes to it. And as I said, Apple, Apple goes to Google. They push this shit. And now the media will ignore it. But there are people on the inside telling us the truth. You're pulling back the curtain on the Wizard of Oz and it's clearly obvious their intent is to make all of us part of the religion of progressivism. That is just scary. Super scary. So, to a eight-minute lighter fare, I have been searching YouTube and finding old shows. And I found somebody that you know, you can't get Mad TV. Me and my wife loved Mad TV. Well, she loved it more than I did. But I loved Living Color. I loved it. When it came out on Fox, that was some edgy shit. Sure, there are a lot of race bait and bullshit and white people are bad. Well, whatever. It was funny. Because one of my favorite comedians ever, and I watch the cool kids that are on now, is David Allen Greer. I just think guy is so fucking funny. Um, mm. Thought he was funny. I was one of the rare people when they had a black Santa. I didn't give a fuck. I expected gay Santa. Gay, transgender, fucking Latinx Santa. So when David Allegria was there, I really didn't give a fuck. But he had a skit on Mad TV, which you can watch all of it on YouTube. Just search it. You can, All the episodes. I'm, watch, I'm on season two now. Um, really funny shit. You know, yeah, Carrie's a fucking nut, nut job, and I don't like him, but... Um, they had some really cutting-edge comedy. And one of his was Calhoun Tubbs. Who I just, you know, I just remember always using that in the military. I wrote a song about it. Want to hear it? Here it goes. And it ended with... Ah. So here's their eight minutes of Calhoun Tubbs. He wrote a song. He's going to play for you. I know I'm supposed to cut an album. You don't think I knew that? I've been writing songs, I write ten songs a night. But when I sober up, they sound like nonsense. Words on a page. I need inspiration, man. I need someone who can really teach me the blues. Bingo. I think I just found what I've been looking for. Glad I found you. Oh, well, my name is Calhoun Tubbs. Now, now, and I ain't you the, the, the boy yeah, from my yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, look, I really need your help, okay? Uh-huh. i got to cut a blues album with all kinds of blues songs. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about the blues. Oh, well, now, 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 that ain't true, boy. Because everybody knows something about the blues. Not me. Mm-hmm. Look, I've got money, uh-huh. women. Where's the blues in all that? <laughs> yeah, you the royal deal. Well, thank you. I mean, I bet you came from one of them... Backwood shacks back in Mississippi or something. Well, now, actually, I'm from Baltimore. 
I ain't never been out in the well. I did go to the wood one time, but we were just camping though. So I don't really know. Get yeah, old fit. I really. Uh, I've got money. I could pay you for your life experiences. Well, now I did say I was from uh, Baltimore, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wrote a song about it. Like a kid, here it go. I could have been a dead poor farmer in Mississippi, but I couldn't even afford the dirt. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. I need more of that, you know. Uh-huh. I bet you were a junkie, some kind of in your old dude, and you puked right out, and then you choked on it. Well, no. Vomit. No, man, I, I ain't never took took no pills. Only pill I done took was a buffering, man. I don't know. Oh no, yeah, I know all about the drug now. I'm right right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Wrote a song about it. Let me hear it go. into a great life stuff that the whole blues sing. Oh, but yeah. oh, I can't. Oh. I can't tap anywhere. Oh, now you sure you can, boy. Everybody got some blues in them somewhere. You just got to know where to look. Mm-hmm. Where? Go try your face, dude. Mm-hmm. Look here. Look here. That's enough to give me the blues right now. I ain't write no song about that. But I think I could right now. Let me hear Lord, you so damn ugly. If that's your face or if your neck threw up. Ah, ah, ah. Hey, 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 you all right? You all right? Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. That's uh-huh. really good. But, you know, it doesn't make me feel blue. I mean, oh, I yeah. could have reconstructive surgery, uh-huh. you know. You know, I've got a beautiful girlfriend who loves oh, no, me. No, wait, no, you got to stop right there. Put the brakes on it. Now, you talking about the girl I sent you with last night on the news? Mm-hmm. No, man. Well, look, I'm here to tell you, boy, that girl don't love you. What? Oh, no, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Wrote a song about it. Like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, your girlfriend says she loves you. Yes, the four hours that she done spent in the men's room with Axl Rose last night is the way that she likes to show it. Ah, thank you very much. All right. Yeah, man, I done seen that with my own eyes, man. But next. Mm. Oh, no. I don't believe it. Uh, that bitch! <laughs> Do that to me. Now, see, now you got the clues, man. Come on, write a song about it, man. Come on. Here we go. All right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like to hear it? Here we go. Here it goes. <laughs> I've got a snare set of mini records. Uh-huh. That slut ain't gonna get a penny. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bring it on. Don't get none on you, though, man. <laughs> there you go. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Now you're starting to scare me now, man. Come on back, now. Come on back. She may think... She gave me a case of jealousy, but what she really gonna need is a case of penicillin.
think I broke a blood vessel. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. You're really great. Hey, look at you. Forgot you. You said yourself, you don't know how to speak to these people. This guy is from here. They trust him. He speaks their language. Well, I guess B.B. King worked for Atwater. Okay, let's do it. Hey, y'all. <laughs> I've been your senator now for about seven years. And uh, with a little help from you, I'll be your senator for another seven years. How about that? <laughs> sure, you can apply for that. <laughs> you know, I could go on forever out here, but I think it's time for a little musical entertainment. I'd like to introduce a very talented songwriter and a dear, dear friend of mine, Mr. Calhoun Tibbs. office so I could tell the truth. Now look here, I've been in this neighborhood over 35 years, seen him come and go. Now I've known the senator ever since he first come up. See, to make it in politics, you got to have a gimmick. The senator got him a gimmick, me. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he started my career by uh, giving me my first job. Wrote a song about it, like a here, here, go. I signed Senator Hamlet's shoes for a penny, ain't never got paid. own five villas right here in this neighborhood. And he always take a personal interest in every one of his tenants. Wrote a song about it, like the hit hit go. Now the senator is my landlord. I seen him throw old ladies out in the gutter. But look here, you know what? I always tell the little babies, stay off the junk and you go far. See, that's what's so amazing about this man right here. From the minute he took office, he always got himself personally involved in the war on the drugs. He even started his own drug program. Now, you know, I ain't writing no song about that, but I think I could right now. Like the hit hit go. That senator knows about drugs. He's been a dope head for 30 years. decision making in any way. Now you know what? Now I know some of y'all done heard them nasty rumors about the senator running around with other women. But I'm here to tell you now I know for a fact that ain't true. That is not true. That senator would never touch no female. Wrote a song about it like the kid here do. That senator don't fool around with no women. He prefers men who dress in leather. That dude's a fucking hilarious. Well, we hoped 2019 was going to be better, but then there's this company doing this, Factory. 
F-C-T-R-Y is our handle. It's Mueller time. We're excited to announce the Robert Mueller action figure is now available for pre-order. Factory CEO Jason Feinberg called Mueller the closest thing to anti-Trump. Mueller is literally the closest thing there is to an anti-Trump, and he has come to symbolize all the virtues Trump lacks, honor, dignity, integrity, oh, and silence. Feinberg said in a statement, we're legitimately excited about the real-life Mueller and what he brings for the narrative of these times. Yeah, that's that's a deal. Jeremy Freinbach, does it take four years to arrive? The resistance was jerking off to this. Somebody made a thing. Peter Carr, spokesman for special counsel office in the U.S. Department of Justice, declined to comment. Fixed gaze, perma-sealed lips, sturdy pockets, open hand, and and permeable shoes, extended fingers, purple heart, and meticulous hair. Robert Mueller has officially declined to comment on the news of being turned into an action figure. Pretty sure that means the cat's out of the bag. (laughs) Do you really think so? And then, which goes in the same box as stupid, CNN analyst Ava Martin was on XM Radio on a show. And she was interviewing David Webb, who is black. And listen to what she said. Shouldn't their requirement, their primary requirement, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of network, be that they are capable of covering politics? For instance, if you're going to cover political campaigns, sports may not be the most qualified background. And that brings to the point of if people want to get into these fields, regardless of color, I've chosen to cross different parts of the media world done the work so that I'm qualified to be in each one. I never considered my color the issue. I considered my qualifications the issue. Well, David, you know, that that's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of. How do I have the privilege of white privilege? David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. This whole long conversation, I don't have time to get uh, Ariva, I hate to break it to you, to but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. Okay, then I stand... See, you went to white privilege. privilege. This is the falsehood in this. You went immediately with an assumption. Your people, obviously, or you didn't look. You're talking to a black man. Who started out in rock radio in Boston, who crossed the paths into hip-hop, rebuilding one of the greatest black stations in America, and went on to work for Fox News, where I'm told apparently blacks aren't supposed to work, but yet you come with this assumption and you go to white privilege. That's actually insulting. It is, and I apologize because my people gave me wrong information. They they told well, me the whole white privilege thing is insulting. David, can I can I apologize and correct the record? I want to apologize. I was given wrong information about you, and I apologize. But based on my so color, white- you were going to something that I was part of. And just to add to it, my family background is white, black, Indian, uh, Arawak, Irish. Scottish. I mean, it's so diverse. I'm like the UN when it comes to this. And this is part of the problem with driving a narrative around a construct like white privilege, 
Privilege is one thing. We're applied wealth, economy, uh, various social factors, but not necessarily determined by color of skin. That's just fucking classic. That is just classic. That's like everybody else on fucking CNN. They don't know anything but that. They're all activists. They're not journalists. They're activists, and they just push the narrative. That's what they're there for. That's their purpose. They have secret meetings like Google. How do we push the narrative? How do we get Trump impeached? Then we have Inside Climate News just released an ambitious ambitious report on the global food system call for radical changes in diets and agriculture to help get people healthy and climate change under control. Nothing less than a new global agriculture revolution. These experts plan to get all up in your grill. They literally tell you you can have a hamburger a week and you can eat this and the plate Looks like something that Michelle Obama come up that nobody wants to eat. Tom Nelson, love the idea of convincing 7.5 billion people to go on an insane centrally planned bad weather preventing diet just when we've been lacking more experts to tell us how to live our lives. We need a farmer and consumer coalition to push back against this. It's time for organic meat and national omnivore mobilization network of meat eaters. <laughs> The funny thing is, it's it's big pharma that's in it and big businesses, Car, Cargill, Google, Kellogg's, Sigma. Corporations funded this shit, which seems kind of against their better interested, but, you know, whatever. Go ahead. Then we had this. I'm not going to read all the tweets. The entire media ran with... Nancy Pelosi's statement, her chief of staff, talking points memo put out, Pelosi chief of staff, Trump traveled to Iraq during shutdown. Andrea Mitchell, Kate Hume Burns, all these reporters, Julian Manchester, David Gura, Aaron Blank, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, all of them are in this soundbite as they basically go crazy because she moved the State of the Union because of security, and he canceled a jacket. You're even going to hear Adam Schiff getting off a bus like a fucking five-year-old because his trip got canceled. Why this letter, we're told, was sent over to Speaker Pelosi's office and then released publicly about the president essentially pulling that military plane that they were all about to get on. Unorthodox is certainly a word for it, Allie, because think about it. These codels, as they're known, and as Garrett Hake on the Hill knows well, happen all the time during recesses, on breaks. They're bipartisan, Democrats, Republicans. There are staff delegations that go to some of these sometimes. So that is not at all uncommon for this kind of travel and for this to happen during breaks. What is unusual is what appears to be this tit for tat. Now, the White House will, and a White House official has, pushed back on the idea that this is kind of the president's move to counter nancy pelosi's let's call that for what it is that's white house spin of course this Mm -hmm. is a power play this is a move from the president to try to counter nancy pelosi's disinvite which by the way the trump campaign is now sending out an email raising money off of this disinvitation if you will um i have a high school child in high school a child in middle school and a child in grade school and all of them have a better grasp of the rules of capitalization this is a president who's losing He's losing politically. He knows it. We know that uh, he knows that we know that uh, that uh, he's losing. This is um, 
the only word for this is childish. I mean, it's kind of out of the nyan nyan poo poo school of, uh, um, of uh, grade school uh, taunts. Yeah, what about your trip to, to Afghanistan? But the most important part is it's ineffectual because people understand that it's more important to put 800,000 Americans to work and prevent the f- further deterioration of government services. And that deterioration is coming when federal courts start, stop working, when TSA workers uh, go off the job. Then this, this uh, minority gambit for, for border security, which everyone knows the president had an opportunity to pass for two years when he had a Republican control. He government. was offered a lot of money so for his what border you are, wall. What you are actually watching, I think, is the death rattle of the effective Trump president. Presidency, at least I hope. Uh, this is not. This is the president essentially being a man baby all over again. <laughs> Kelly O'Donnell, do you think the White House is going to have a response to the president being a man baby? I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> but I would also add another point is that I've long thought that the goal of the Russians, right, and this is not un- disconnected from the Russian story. The goal of the Russians, if you really if you read Malcolm Nance's book, The Plot to Destroy Democracy, their goal was to destabilize the West and to sow chaos in the American government. Anybody watching TV would agree that that is exactly what's happening well, that, right that, now. That's, it's Operation Chaos with, yeah. with, with a K. This is he's bringing the management skills he brought to Atlantic City to the United States government. Is it all about the investigation, though? I mean, let's talk about his conduct in office, the way he speaks about people, the way he targets individual Americans. He's intimidating witnesses. He's calling African nations S-hole countries. He's blowing up alliances. He's taking the notes away from an interpreter. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, do you, what more does the House need in order to debate fitness for office? Well, our nation's capital has officially become a playground, uh, Brooke. Uh, the, the president has responded uh, in sort of a childish way, is the only way to describe it, uh, to the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, to her letter, essentially saying that the say the Union will be postponed or uh, she asked that it be submitted in writing if the government is still shut down. This is the letter right here from the president, uh, the press secretary, Sarah Sanders. I guess in lieu of having actual briefings here at the White House, uh, just tweeted this out. But this letter is is not really a... I mean, just to offer an observation, you're not really a serious response to what the House Speaker said yesterday, which is you can't have a State of the Union speech at the Capitol on January 29th. But I'm still kind of back on, you know, Jim Acosta referring to Washington as a mm-hmm. playground. And, and, and then <laughs> the only phrase that comes to mind is nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Right. Sandbox. Get out of the sandbox. Um, the wording it's just the, the wording in this is incredible uh, to me because. It is this kind of dumb tit for tat thing. This kind, uh, this seems silly to me, honestly. And the real world out there looking at this will go, "Come on, kids, time for a nap." Okay? I, I've got a, I've got a coast. Jesse Ferguson, an ex Hillary flack. Trump punishes troops in Afghanistan. His ego is hurt, and Pelosi stopped him from forcing unpaid public safety officials to protect everyone at his lying State of the Union. She said that. That was an actual tweet. I literally uncorked. I just uncorked with... As a vet with a bunch of buddies still in the army, you were stretching so hard you pulled a tendon on your ring finger typing this lying tweet. No troops care if Dems who don't support them during war show up or don't show up, period. Especially 
Pelosi message complete. These people, they, they live in a world that I don't understand as I started the show. Petty. And the media ran with it. A talking points memo tweet. They took the liberal talking points memo, something conservatives say they do all the time, and they ran wholeheartedly with it using that talking point. CNN, Ryan Sinandra, Ryan Savanda retweeted Chris Saliza. On Pelosi's State of the Union, Nancy Pelosi just pulled a major power move. On this incident, taking the low road always. Side-by-side tweets within a day. Within a day. They have no integrity, don't even care about looking objective. They are all in. And you saw it in the beginning of this podcast and the end. Media, bias, they are just part of the religion of progressivism. So, I want to close out with a play. I'm going to play the March for Life, Why We March. I will cover Monday, uh, or Tuesday, we're going to shoot for Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, or Monday, the March for Life, the Women's March, and we're going to cover Planet X. Now, I watched a show called Signs last night, which was about people who believed in the end of days during the eclipse. Somewhere in there became this Planet X, Narubu, which I'd never heard of, and Planet Nine. Never heard of these things. Thought they were a bunch of crazy wax, just crazy people. Well, guess what? It's real. It's a planet with its own little constellation of bullshit. It's out there. It's been out there behind the sun. Every thousand years, it goes through our actual constellation. And it's there, and it's scary as fuck looking. It could actually run into the Earth. All its satellites could hit the Earth. Which makes me think, we just talked about them actually, NASA, landing shit on asteroids to try to do deflection of meteors so i'm going to do a free-for-all segment tuesday and that's going to be in there and you can call me a tinfoil hat wearer but when i hit the research and the nasa said it's there a planet that you never even heard of that's some big shit and the media ignored it so here is march for life why we march and then we'll close out the show Life begins at conception. We march for life. We're marching to end abortion. Because I regret my abortion and I want to help. I march for all those who can't because life is beautiful. Just because life begins doesn't mean that these children have a voice. So someone has to speak for them, so that's why we're here. So that all children are given that same opportunity to live life to their fullest. all babies precious. Every child deserves a life, and that's why I'm watching.
fighting for, and that's why I'm here. And we marched to change the narrative on women's health care. Look how many people are here that, that will support you, support me, and you're saving children. And I'm so happy to be a part of this beautiful movement. It's something that everyone should be a part of, just celebrating life. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments about the track or suggestions to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. FOPpodcast.com. The links to feeds of the show, links to our Facebook page, and a link to every episode on the episode release page. Once again, we're going to look at doing a podcast on the 22nd of January, year of our Lord, 2019. Going to cover um, March for Life, Women's March, and Planet X. Oh, it's coming! Have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Getting snow in my area and all over the country. So, you know, buckle up. Get your provisions. I gassed up. Got wood. Got some good food to chow chow. We're going to be ready to go just in case we do get the three inches they're saying we're going to get. Members, disconnect from dick. So that uh, that's not a word. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. It's a short ride, folks. Give your family, your family, or your couple, if you're just two people, your undivided attention. If you're by yourself, give yourself some attention, for God's sake. Listen to yourself. As always, I thank you all for listening, and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.